0: Strange, but true. In the movie Change of Habit, Elvis Presley played a character named John Carpenter. In 1979, John Carpenter made a movie called Elvis, which had a character named Elvis Presley. Strange, but true. Elvis Presley played music. John Carpenter also plays music. Strange but true. Elvis' third movie was Jailhouse Rock. John Carpenter's second movie was Assault on Precinct 13. Both feature jails. And three (coughs) comes right after two or or something. Strange but true. John Carpenter was born January 16th, 1948. Elvis Presley was born January 8th, 1935. The 8th is a total of eight days away from 16 strange but true (laughs) elvis presley's nickname was the pelvis john carpenter has a pelvis
1: (laughs) strange but true
0: attack of the killer podcast has never done an episode on elvis presley Attack of the Killer Podcast has never done an episode on John Carpenter. Until now, John Carpenter on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention
2: planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome, young and old, boys and girls, to another amazing episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. I am your Master of Ceremonies, Insane Mike, and this episode we will be covering the career of the one, the only, Jonathan Carpenter. Or John Carpenter, I don't know if he, if his name's really Jonathan, oh, I'm just trying to make it sound cool. If you, if I can share a little uh, uh, story real, real quick here. You should. So I was cleaning, cleaning the living room the other day, and I found some change in, in one of the couches. <coughs> Excuse me. And what happened was, is I pulled back the couch cushion, and I fell into a portal which led to a magical land of wonderment, where unicorns, elves, fairies, and all kinds of mythical beasts lived. And they honored me, uh, they honored me as their leader. And I ran a revolution to take down the evil queen that ruled the land with an iron fist. I was given a magical, the magical sword of Yale's and was able to slay the witch within the final hour. The creatures of the land wanted me to stay and be their king, but I, know, I knew I belonged back here with you guys. And the most amazing part of this whole adventure is as I was leaving, I looked down on my feet and found $5.50 worth of change. So now I wonder, what should I do with this, new, with this newfound riches? What would you do? Oh, I know! Donate to our Patreon! So we're not asking for much. Uh, it could be something as little as loose change found in your couch after you fall into a mystical portal and slay an evil witch. Uh, or, you know, or dig deep in those pockets and, and, and really donate. But your donations will not go unrewarded. There are various perks at different levels of donating. So just go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. So if you're new to our show, I just kinda want to set things up a little bit. What we do is is we come up with a topic, we openly discuss films within that topic. And a lot of times we'll cover like a whole film the beginning of the end to to the end. So be warned, there may be spoilers, and you never know when they're gonna strike. (laughs) So before we get into tonight's topic or today's topic, or this early morning's topic, I don't know when you listen to the show. I don't know. But before we get into it, it's time to introduce you to the Podcast Crew. Okay, so he came here to do two things. Chew ass and kick bubble gum. And he's all out of ass. Wait, I think I said that wrong. John Stalter, everybody.
3: (laughs) No, you were right. Uh, Yeah, you were right.
1: (laughs)
0: Next up, he nicknamed his penis Snake Pliskin because it only has one eye and a short period of time to get out alive. Jason Bollinger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. This next podcaster used to think Lo Pan was the number four special at his favorite Chinese restaurant, Brian Clark.
4: I swear it's delicious. It's what I get every time. Hello, everyone.
0: And lastly, she's got nice headlights. Come on, guys, I was talking about Christine. Terry Turford, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I should have called it. Yep. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: Every episode, he, he'll come to me with a few ideas. He's like, is this too much? Is this not enough? Is this too much? Is this Like last night, we were talking about it way too long.
0: Yeah, well, I was, I was struggling. <laughs> I was struggling. And what sucks is, yeah... Because we were supposed to have uh, Justin on the show tonight, but unfortunately, he couldn't make it because he's busy trying to get his fiance convinced to play the Halloween theme as the bridal song. Yeah, I believe it. So yeah. So now that the team has been assembled, and with all of their own unique skills, their mission is to discuss the master of horror, John Carpenter. But first, it's time for some killer news.
2: Now it's time for Killer News. Ripped straight from the headlines on attack on the Killer Podcast.
4: All right first up just a, a little piece but something I am kind of interested in. Uh, Sony has acquired the rights to a movie called Serpent which is written and directed by first time filmmaker Amanda Evans uh, It's about a husband and wife on a romantic retreat in the wild on a camping trip uh, and they wind up getting trapped in their tent with a poisonous snake so it's uh, got kind of a, an open water quality to it from that brief little description. That sounds uh, kind of interesting. I enjoyed that movie and Uh, nice little claustrophobic. Here you go, Mike. Thriller.
1: Mm. Ah! Uh, You know,
4: and if the tent goes under 55 miles an hour, the snake explodes. Okay, uh, (laughs)
0: next
4: Next up, Jordan Peele uh, was at one point rumored to be attached to the Akira live-action thing that's coming out. Whoa. And he has now said that he is not going to do that, and he yeah. has no interest in doing it, mm. and I'm glad because I have no interest in seeing a live-action version of Akira. Yeah, But what, right. he's going, what he's going to do next is a uh, one-hour drama series on HBO called Lovecraft Country. Uh, it's based on a book from last year by a guy named Matt Ruff. I've heard of the book. It had some uh, pretty strong critical acclaim to it i haven't got around to reading it yet but it sounds pretty cool it focuses on a character named atticus black and his father goes missing so black joins up with a friend and an uncle to go on a road trip across 1950s jim crow america to find him begins a struggle to survive and overcome both the racist terrors of white america and the malevolent spirits that could be ripped from a lovecraft story So, yeah, Jordan Peele doing more horror, doing more uh, social commentary horror, and it involves horrible tentacle monsters this time. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Sweet. (laughs) Me too.
4: (laughs) A sad piece of news. On May 9th, Yoshimitsu Bano died. He is probably best known as the director of Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, but he had writing and producing credits on several other Godzilla movies as well. And his determined efforts to... See a big-budget 3D IMAX Godzilla movie get made for oh god, probably the last 15 years he's been trying, been trying to get that done. Uh, wound up culminating in the legendary Godzilla movie in 2014. So basically, we have him to thank for the uh, the ongoing legendary monsterverse with Godzilla and King Kong and uh, Pacific Rim and all that stuff. So rest in peace, Mr. Bano. You did good work. And finally, something uh, a little more relevant to our topic tonight, Uh, Mondotees.com, who do posters and records, and I guess they do t-shirts too, (laughs) uh, have embarked on their first board game. Uh, It's a collaboration with a a USAopoly. Uh, It's a game, or no, it's USAopoly's Designer Games Division, Project Raygun. There we go. Sorry, I couldn't read there for a minute. Uh, nice. It'll come out in October. There will be a regular version of the game in stores, and uh, you can get a limited edition from Mondo, and it's called Infection at Outpost 31. So it's a John Carpenter's The Thing game.
0: Oh, cool. Whoa.
4: Yeah. So we, we heard about the uh, Big Trouble in Little China game coming out just a couple of months ago. And now there's a Thing game coming out. There's not a lot of information about the the gameplay and stuff again yet, but there's some pictures of the artwork on Mondo T's site. And uh, it sounds like, I don't know if any of you guys have ever played Betrayal at the House on the Hill where it starts out as a co-op game but as the as the game unfolds and more cards are drawn things start to turn on you and some of the players may be holding a secret in their hands well this is very much the same thing so that as you play through the game you start out human <coughs> and then as more cards turn over uh, people start becoming the thing and you have to expose them and uh, destroy them and get out alive at the end
0: that sounds awesome
4: hey.
3: yeah
0: Cool. Well, thank you for that up-to-date report, and we'll be back with more at 11. Until then, let's talk talk about some John Carpenter. <clears throat> so, uh, a lot of times when we do these, like, uh, retro specs on uh, actors or directors or whatever, uh, Jason gets that reference, right? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> um, we kind of just break down the whole filmography, so... Uh, just to kind of set things up a little bit, he began making short films in 1962, and actually won an Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Short Subject in 1970 for the Resurrection of Bronco Billy. Now, as IMDb lists um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of his uh, of his early short films dating, dating from 1962 to 1969. Um, has anybody ever seen? Probably not. They're probably nowhere to be found. But has anybody ever seen any of the short films? No. Nope. I didn't think so, but like, you know, I bet Brian would really love to see a couple of these because he did uh, Gorgo. he did one called Gorgo versus Godzilla.
4: Oh my God! I have to see that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> i have never even heard of that before, but suddenly I'm very excited for it. And Brian um. got a chub. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> He also did one called Gorgon the Space Monster, uh, Sorcerer from, space, from Outer Space, Warrior and the Demon, Captain uh, Voyeur, Terror from Space, and one I'm interested this when I would be interested to see, Revenge of the Colossal Beasts. Because I wonder if that has anything to do with the old black and white Colossal Beast movies. It's just would the be giant bald man. Did. I know, right? That would be so cool. So, But who knows? That would be so great if they were out there somewhere, but. Not that I've ever heard or seen.
4: Uh, Watch but, next week. Scream Factory will announce yeah. they're all coming out. Guess what
0: set. we're doing. Oh, that'd be cool. They should do. Because, you know, there's so many great classic filmmakers out there that got their start doing short films. Whether it be in college, like with John Carpenter, for example, or making or making crappy Super 8 films when they were kids. You know, like... Sh- they should just put that stuff out and... Um, like do some kind of like cool little box that they could make a mint off of that stuff, man.
4: That'd be great. But a problem is I'm sure a lot of that stuff just didn't survive, you know, they're they're made for prod for projects or, you know, they got shoved in the back of a garage and got mildewy or, you know, they got left on a table in a dorm room and people spilled beer on them. I mean, who knows? Very true. Very true. Very true.
0: Even though I I have still have all of my uh, high school, Films, but they were shot on VHS.
4: They, it has a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier volume. to pr- preserve than uh, eight mm film. Exactly.
3: Yeah, there you go. You could put out a little, you know, DVD of all your short films, Mike.
0: <laughs> okay, now I know why that John Carpenter hasn't released. That uh, <laughs> makes sense now.
3: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so moving nope, on. nope. You got to do this. Damn, it At least ten people will pay money for this.
0: Actually, now that I think about it, seriously though, I, I bet it's probably a lot of legal things. Because, because honestly, I probably would release all my old all my old gore Gang high school films if it wasn't for the fact that I would feel the need to track down each one of those guys from high school and make sure it was okay that I uh, put it out there. So, eh.
4: well, in the case of Gorgo versus Godzilla, I can uh, tell you with very good authority that he would be sued out of existence by Toho the second there was any word of that coming out. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) They are notoriously litigious.
0: (laughs) And they have a right to be, you know. Uh, Okay, cool, so let's actually get into uh, his filmography. His first film, 1974's Dark Star. Now, Brian, I I understand Hmm? you recently rewatched that one, right?
4: Yeah, I've got the old VCI VHS. Uh, I hadn't watched it in quite a few years, but I revisited again uh, last week for the show, and it's, it holds up. It's a lot of fun. It's really funny. The The bit where the, uh, the captain is <laughs> recording his captain's log, and he says, oh, and uh, one of the storage bays self-destructed last week and destroyed the ship's entire supply of toilet paper never fails to crack me up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The only, I haven't seen that movie in so long, the only thing I can remember is, of course, the the beach ball alien monster.
4: Yeah, with the uh, repainted creature from the Black Lagoon gloves as hands.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the only and thing some, I can remember from it.
4: There are some, some seeds of what Dan O'Bannon would eventually turn into alien in that segment, you know, being hunted through the corridors of a spaceship, slash hunting, through the corridors of the ship, the alien, because it escapes while he's trying to feed it. Yeah. Except in this case, he took it on as a pet because he thought it was cute, and now everyone hates it because it's annoying, (laughs) and they make him feed it because no one else wants to deal with it. (laughs) Awesome. The the idea behind the movie is there's this ship called Dark Star that's out uh, sort of surveying the surrounding solar systems looking for unstable planets that could... uh, deviate from their orbits and crash into the suns of the solar systems causing supernovas which pretty sure that science is a little sketchy but it doesn't matter it's cool basically they're trying to make the galaxy safe for colonization for when you know the rest of humanity eventually gets to that area that they won't have to worry about being vaporized and uh so they have these huge bombs in the ship that will essentially crack a planet down to its core and vaporize it and the bombs are equipped with artificial intelligence and uh you know these these guys have been out in space for years one of them played uh, pinback played by dan o'bannon isn't even actually supposed to be there he was just wearing the wrong flight suit at the time and got shoved into the shuttle he's (laughs) not an astronaut he's actually just a fuel bay technician (laughs) and uh you know they've all gone a little stir crazy they're all kind of getting on each other's nerves. There's there's lots of shenanigans. Nobody really likes Pinback, so they pick on him all the time. And so these uh, they're they're getting ready to destroy a planet. And one of the bombs there's a malfunction in the in the communication between the ship's computer and the bomb. And the bomb decides it doesn't want to leave the hangar. It's just going to blow up there. And so the captain of the ship has to go out and convince the bomb not to blow up by talking philosophy with it and he accidentally argues it into exploding even sooner than it was already
1: going <laughs> to.
0: Yeah, I should rewatch this. Has it it's ever been on D V D or Blu ray?
4: Yeah That's it's on D V D you can get it on you can get it on Blu ray now through VCI. Oh okay. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Same company that put out Gorgo, oddly <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> Weird
3: Strange but true. Okay,
0: um <laughs> oh god, that's
3: gonna that's gonna pop up from time to time.
0: <laughs> uh, for the for all episodes from here on out. Um, yeah, I wish I could speak more to this, and I wish I had a chance to rewatch it, but didn't because uh, I don't because I don't even remember if I fully got it the first time I watched it. So it was so long ago that
4: and it's just. Kind of a little absurdist slice-of-life comedy, you know, blue-collar, working-class dude comedy in outer space that just happens to have a sort of apocalyptic downer ending.
1: Yeah.
0: Anybody (laughs) else? I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
4: I I was just going to ask the exact same question you did.
0: (laughs) Anybody else seen it?
4: I haven't watched it in
0: Uh,
3: ages. uh
2: Nope.
3: But I've seen it, just not recently.
0: The movie that definitely gave Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon their big breaks, but it's often forgotten.
4: And you know, Carpenter's visual style is, you know, there in more or less fully fledged form right from the get-go. I mean, watching it, it it still looks like a John Carpenter movie. It obviously doesn't have the that polish that you know that real sharp edged look to the film quality that his his later stuff does, like sure. you know the. Lens flares and such things, uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. You can hear the cat. I was like, that is not mine. For, okay, so for once, it's not John's cat interrupting everything.
0: <laughs> Maybe he has yeah, something to it. say about Darkstar.
4: No, it doesn't. Shut up, cat. I don't even like you.
3: <laughs> oh, which one is it?
4: Reagan, the white one. Oh, that one hates me. Fuck that cat. <laughs> That's dumb. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so everyone should go out and check out Dark Star. It was a uh, shot over the course of several years. It was a student film, a collaboration between Carpenter and O'Bannon. Their relationship later turned sour. I'm sad to say O'Bannon and Carpenter did not get along much after the no,
0: making of that. But. but you often wonder who, you know, whose side would you be on on that one? And things I've heard about Dan O'Bannon over the years I have a feeling John Carpenter, you know, was the good guy in that yeah, right? it's <laughs>
6: Yeah, it's
4: a case of John Carpenter can come off as kind of prickly sometimes, <laughs> but prickly. Dan O'Bannon was, like, mentally unstable, so...
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Still love him. Still love his work, but... Uh, yeah,
4: But
3: a nutter butter.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's a paid off, though. Like, Return of Living Dead is still one of my all-time favorite movies. Anyway, uh, but we're not here to talk about Dan O'Bannon. Um, we then, so like after seventy four, then uh, he uh, in nineteen seventy six was his next film with Assault on sig thirteen. Another one I haven't watched in like eons.
4: Yeah, And I, I watched it last night, and then again with the commentary right after.
0: <laughs> oh, nice,
4: <laughs> nerd. And, and, yeah, and his solo commentaries are hit or miss. this one's got some some interesting information, but he does tend to lapse a lot into just describing what's happening on the screen because it was a long time ago. Oh, and yeah, uh, sure. you know, Even though the commentary is actually <clears throat> lifted from the old laser disc because he talks about something on the other side of the disc at one point.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. So That's
4: it wasn't... Funny. You know, the commentary happened a little closer to the release of the movie than the Blu-ray did, but it was still, you know, a good 30 years, I would guess, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it's it's an okay commentary. It's it's interesting how much of the influence of the movie came from westerns rather than action movies.
0: Well, he uh, got he had a he, lot he of influences talks. from westerns. He was a big mm-hmm. westerns fan.
4: Yeah, and he talks a lot about Howard Hawks in it. It's his favorite filmmaker.
0: Yeah, um, loves Howard Hawks, uh, loves Elvis, loves westerns, and Hitchcock. So, I think those were his biggest influences.
4: Really, really good movie though. I mean, again, made on a dime, but more enough more than Dark Star was that you could tell it was a professional movie rather than a student movie. Like he had enough resources yeah. to to really sharpen things up. It's, it's great action. There's you know a lot of really cool set pieces. Tons of exploding squibs everywhere. It's surprisingly mm-hmm. bloody when you know when people get shot, they don't just clutch their chest and fall over. Yeah. There's uh, you know there's not Monsters disempowering people or anything, but you know when people get shot, it goes splat.
5: <laughs> totally.
4: And I love the relationship between uh, Napoleon, the the criminal, and uh, the the lieutenant who's looking after the station that's about to be shut down. And they, you know, they they once the the station becomes under siege by this gang, they kind of you know they respect each other they understand like oh we're we got to work together to get out of this alive and by the end of the movie they're you know kind of buddies like it's a it's a good flick
0: yep definitely need to rewatch it anybody ever see the remake
3: no lord no yeah me neither
0: okay okay so moving on uh then you went a couple more years before you made another movie. And then this is what put him on the map. And put Slashers on the map and all that shit. You're talking 1978's classic, Halloween. Is never there a- seen
3: it. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I don't know what movie. The- Should, I her- Should I have heard of this one?
4: Nah, it's not that good. Don't worry about it.
3: <laughs> is there anything new
0: we can add to the conversation of Halloween?
2: No.
4: They really I mean, <laughs> everybody this, this is where we needed them. that. This is where we needed Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it
3: would have, have been Justin. We have like Justin's two fun.
2: whole episodes in our archive that you can listen to people rant on about all the Halloween movies.
5: Pretty pretty good for your third film.
3: Yeah. Yeah, really good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, mean, it, <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever.
0: Are you being serious?
3: No, I'm not being serious.
0: Oh, okay, masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. Have Just you met checking. John? Sometimes I can't tell with I you. Mean, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's the I way
4: don't he know likes that. it. Shit. Oh. Carpenter revolutionized the genre. Yeah, but it was with his third movie. Black Sabbath revolutionized music yeah. with their first album. So
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> Black
3: Sabbath <laughs> no. is better than John Carpenter.
0: <laughs>
3: there.
0: No. Oh yeah, no, yeah well George. Oh yeah, well George Romero changed the whole subgenre of of zombies with his very first movie. So there.
4: And then he accidentally gave the rights to the mafia. Oops.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we won't we won't talk about that. Yeah, good job. Fuck wit.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> fuck. Anybody wit? want to release a copy of uh not not Living Dead? We can do it.
4: So here's a question: Then, instead of trying to add something new to the discussion of Halloween, because yeah, there's no analysis we could give that movie that's going to mean anything at this point. When was everyone's first time seeing it? Hmm.
3: Oh, good God, I have no idea.
4: Oh, here, I thought I was asking a good question, apparently. Well,
3: I mean, it is, but <laughs> I, it's, one I movies, yeah. it's one of those movies. It's one of those movies that's just, like, it's so ingrained in my brain. Like, I, I can't tell you. I yeah, can I tell you when I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, because I was 19. Hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I can't remember with Halloween. It's ages ago.
4: I saw it on TV for the first time, not on video. So I saw the the different TV edit that is actually longer than the theatrical version. And, you know, remove some of the nudity. Or not some of, all of the one piece of nudity in the movie. Yes. Um, and just, and adds, I... in a, adds in a bunch more dialogue and stuff. Because uh, my huh. parents had just got a satellite dish. I was 14, I think. And uh, it was... You know, we we got it right towards the end of summer. So coming into fall, there, of course, uh, I believe it was TNT or USA, one of the two was uh, playing Halloween movies. Of course, that's what you do in October. And uh, so I was all excited because you know, of course, I'd heard about it left, right, and center for years, and always wanted to see it. But it was one of those—it's <laughs> R-rated horror movie, so I couldn't rent it. And uh, yeah, so I wound up catching it on TV and just. I remember being glued to it like that it's one of the first movies of that you know first type of horror movie that really captured my attention and I don't know I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to, I trying get, to say here no, but it was awesome yeah <laughs> just I cut all that out Jason That makes <laughs> no sound way really
3: no no we're leaving that yeah.
4: in <laughs> oh Brian sounds like a jackass let's keep that part
3: yay I can't remember... That's every
4: episode of me, so just, you know... Suck it up, buttercup.
0: I can't honestly remember the first time I watched Halloween. I really can't. What's funny is I can remember the first time I ever watched Halloween 2. I think it played on... uh, It was around Halloween time. I think I was uh, either junior high or... Either junior high going into high school... That, maybe that, uh, uh, I can't remember, if it was ninth or 10th grade, but USA all week long was playing, at prime time, was playing horror movies all week long, and uh, uh, not at USA, it was WGN. And uh, I taped every single one, and I still remember those tapes and watched them repeatedly, because it was Halloween 2, Jaws, the Dark, I didn't watch that one repeatedly. That movie is, is kind of shitty. Um. What were the others? I'm forgetting. Oh, Nightly Dead. That happens I think, in your old age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightly Dead. Um. But, uh, yeah. Well, and you obviously could tell which ones I watched repeatedly then. It was definitely Jaws, Nightly Dead, and uh, Halloween 2. And, um. I just remember that one really sticking with me just for the fact that it really felt like it was Halloween while watching it. So, But still, and I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling I probably saw Halloween 2 before I saw the original Halloween, so, whatevs.
5: <clears throat> I can't
0: remember either. Yeah. yeah
5: what about I remember
2: the first time I saw it in the theater.
0: Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. That too. was awesome. Yep. <laughs> Great story, Terry. <laughs> that
3: was entertaining.
4: Still better than mine.
3: Oh! <laughs> Got to see it in
2: Fairfield on a small, well, in a small, small theater. theater. Um, and Justin Beam introduced it and chatted a bit about things
0: and, and that-
2: stuff. And it was my birthday, or oh. almost my birthday.
0: Now was that was that the time where they did that full like uh, kind of theatrical re-release of Halloween that yep. he was in charge of?
2: Yeah. And it was supposed to be the four K release, but I don't think it was. But it was still awesome.
0: I think it was
5: right after that
0: time we saw it in Cedar Rapids. In Cedar Rapids, we saw it with Justin, and you got to dress up as Michael Myers.
5: No, I didn't.
0: Oh, wait, no, that was really Michael Myers.
6: Yeah.
0: What? Yeah, he was there, scaring the shit out of people. Saying, Wayne's World, Wayne's World. No. Oh, wrong, Michael Myers. Sorry. (laughs) All right, so moving on. Fair enough. So also in 1978 he did a TV movie called Someone's Watching Me. Don't know shit about it, so anybody else? Adrienne
2: Marbeau is in it.
0: That's right, she is. Who John Carpenter (laughs) later married.
3: Did he now? That's right. And they had a kid. And they had a kid together. And he is somewhat, or he's involved with the, the, the tour. I don't remember what he plays. I can't remember if it's keyboards or guitars or whatever, but
0: Mm, cool, cool.
3: But yeah, my my buddy from college supposedly went to school with him, so so there's that.
0: Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so anybody have anything to say about someone's watching me? Just, or just I guess Jason. I, oh. get, nope. I guess I should say someone's watching me because it's got an exclamation point at the end. Oh. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> Then in 1979, he did another TV movie, which is an epic milestone, another epic milestone in John Carpenter's career, because it's the first time he worked with, that's right, Kurt Russell, and uh, it was the Elvis movie where Kurt Russell played Elvis. That none of us has seen, so we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> then in 1980... Then in 1980 came the fog, which also has Adrian Barbeau in it, but it also has uh, uh, wait, who else is in that?
1: <laughs>
0: Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis is in that one, right? Yeah.
4: And Tom and Atkins.
0: Jan- and Tom Atkins. And Janet and, and, Lee. And, yeah, because I was going to say Janet Lee and Jamie Lee Curtis, and then I spaced. Was Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> in kinda... it? Yeah, I, I had
4: to, I blanked on that too. Wow. Yeah. I really Hal, like that. And Hal Holbrook.
0: And Hal Holbrook. So Thank you it's. Rest in peace. It's got it's got quite the uh, John Carpenter alum in that one. It's like people. Love, who, oh, go ahead.
4: I was just gonna say I love his description of that one. That he said that uh, Halloween was his Argento movie and that was his Fulci movie.
0: That totally oh, makes right. sense. Yeah. Holy shit! That totally makes sense. <laughs> it that really just does. totally it totally. did. Like, it's totally The Beyond or um, Hell of the Gates Living of Dead. Yeah. Or Gates of Hell, sorry. Yeah. Hell
4: of the Living Dead is Bruno Mattai. Oh, John yeah. Carpenter has never made a movie as bad as Bruno Mattai. <laughs> sorry. I meant City of the Living Dead. How, how dare you slander the name of Carpenter, sir? Here tu- <laughs> how dare you slander the name of Bruno Mattai?
3: Oh. Here I <laughs> turn in
0: my uh, Italian horror fan club card. Um been a long day. So City of the Living Dead. Yeah, I could totally see it, man. It totally makes sense. that especially all that atmospheric fog stuff and oh. Great movie. It, it's it's really creepy. Again, been way too long since I've seen it.
4: I love the bit where uh after that piece of driftwood has been brought into the the radio studio, the f- one of the first kind of signals that something is going badly and weirdly wrong is that water starts pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. I always thought that... Sh- I mean, it's such a simple little effect, but it just looks so cool and adds such a wonderful bit of supernatural oddness to that scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I actually uh, just watched this one for the first time. Oh, nice. I had I had seen the remake, which is kind of awful, but uh, this one was way better. The original... I mean, the... Not, the
0: remake all i could remember about it was lots of windows breaking yeah, i was gonna say wasn't that the original title of the movie windows breaking
2: <laughs> but um yeah i know this one it, it was really good uh tom adkins is super young mm-hmm. and it's weird um it's awesome Woo! <laughs> also uh co-written by deborah hill yep which is yeah. sweet Lady writers.
0: Totally. So <laughs> that it on the fog. Okay, so I promise you folks, we'll start getting into films that some of us have seen late, <laughs> lately, and not like twenty years ago. Uh, then in 1981, <laughs> Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah, reunited with Kurt Russell. What are you looking at me, <laughs> Snake Pliskin. <laughs> because your nickname is your penis. Oh, right. <clears throat> love me some snake plissken I wish well I'm going to be careful how I tread here
5: I since wish when
0: the franchise <laughs> would have continued in the right direction let's leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> um, again it's got oh, a lot of what?
4: oh can't forget another very important reunion Donald Pleasance.
0: Yep, I was just going to rattle off some of the... Got Donald Pleasance in the only part that's perfect, the President of the United States. That's what I would cast him as. Um, You got got Tom Atkins back. You got Adrian Barbeau back. um, And and her twins. What's that? I said and her twins. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Who else is in this movie? I'm blanking on his name now. Isaac Hayes. Thank you. Thank you. That, we're such on s- the same wavelength, man. You knew which one <laughs> I was
4: trying to think of. Also <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Cabby, that would have been the other cabby, one.
0: Cabbie, it? yeah. It's just, it's just got a great cast all around.
4: It really does. Yeah. Oh, and... um
3: Oh, God. Now I'm fucking blanking on his name. Harry,
0: De- Harry Dean
3: Stanton. Thank you! ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Yes. I was about to say the guy that looks like the Grim Reaper. We've all been podcasting
0: together too long. We yeah. could complete each other's sandwiches.
3: Damn Sand- it! Oh, because <laughs> it was like I was really thinking of him because because <laughs> I'm really worried that he might go this year. <laughs> he looks like death. But yeah. I think the uh, smoke, the 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 tar from all the smoking. I think that's what's keeping him alive. Like it's holding his body together
6: because <laughs> he looks like
3: 145. It's still working. Oh
4: yeah. There's what? also another character actor who I can't remember uh, the name of the actor, but he played uh, Sheriff Bracket in Halloween. He was a federal agent in. Um, oh, yeah. In Assault on yeah. Precinct Thirteen. He was in quite a few Carpenter movies.
3: What is uh, Lee Van Cleef?
0: Yeah, Lee Van Cleef. No, no well, it not. no, it's not Lee Van Cleef, but no, like Lee saying He's in it. Yeah. Right? Oh. And yes. Lee Van, Van Cleef.
3: Heck, I know. I know that, but.
0: And again, Lee Van Cleef is in the movie because John Carpenter, being such a fan of westerns,
3: and great Mustangs.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, great cast, man. I tell you what, man. I, those are my. A lot of my favorite directors are like that, where they just they get comfortable with certain people and they use them all the time. Whether and it doesn't matter if it's the same cinematographer, or if it's. Um, or if it's the you know same actors over and over again, and I, I love that stuff because it just really feels like such a family mentality. John Carpenter calling up, um, you know, Adrian Barbeau and Donald Pleasance and saying, you know, hey, let's make another movie. All right, let's do it. See you t- on Tuesday. You well, know, at the time you know. He
3: probably just rolled over to Adrian and said, hey, you want to do another flick together? And they're like, and she's like, okay,
4: <laughs> and they went and back. Then to he start. then he suffocated under her boobs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's still oh, one of the oddest, way to go. I mean, just one of the oddest couples ever <laughs> in movie history.
0: How long were it's they married? Do you guys know?
3: I don't think they were... They weren't married for Like, like a, five years. Yeah, yeah, not for very long. They only had the one kid, which I think is his only kid, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even though he's been married to his current wife like forever, so... Interesting. But, yeah... I love me from Escape from New York. I just, I, I think the premise is cool, you know, like in the future, New York has been I kind of sexy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops.
3: Still cracks me up.
0: Go a little further but out he, there in a well, He
3: just did so much uh, with the budget. Like, the way they, they shot the, like, the computer images, all they did was, like, put glow in the dark tape on, essentially, or glow in the dark paint on, like, the, the model set. And then turned off all the lights, and how that's how they did it. So it looks like vector graphics. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I mean, they had no budget, but they made it look like a big budget movie, in a way.
0: And yet, and yet, it still has that kind of DIY look to you know. Yeah, look to it.
3: It look. It, it's like they got lucky, and they had a bigger budget for some things. But yeah, I mean, it. But it still, everything still holds up.
0: And it needs to have that gritty look to it, and that like, you know. Building weapons out of whatever you find in your garage, kind of look to it because that's the environment of the film. Where I think one of the things that fails for Escape from LA for me is that it, the, the whole movie looks too polished, it looks too pretty, it looks too much like it's got a budget, you know. And if, like, if you're gonna go into the dilapidated city, prison city of LA, or in this case, New York. Yeah, things are gonna look like shit, and uh, you know people are gonna make shift things out of whatever they have uh, have around them, and you know putting weird things on the hood of their cars or whatever the case may be, and that's that's what makes that movie so good and gives it its charm is is that is you know the all that stuff. That's what I'm saying.
4: It also has one of the great. Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no. <laughs>
4: Please. I keep doing God, this is going to Mike gets interrupted by Brian every five minutes of the episode. <laughs> um, no. I was just going to say it also has one of the greatest stick it to the man endings ever. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I saw that movie, it was just like, oh my God, that's so subversive and awesome. I, and that still gives me a little thrill every time I watch it. I just love that. The... Tape of that goofy music starts playing as Snake is walking away, just unspooling the real tape.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you saw that. It, or I'm sure you guys saw because we probably shared it in, in, in our group. That some company was trying to do a Kickstarter or whatever it was to do a replica of his uh, like watch.
1: You oh, really? See
3: that? Uh-uh, <laughs> were, no. like for Some of them, like some of the variations, were four hundred dollars. Oh my god. Oh, but they looked. Oh, they were perfect looking. And our. My buddy Brandon actually thought about getting one, because of course he did.
0: <laughs>
3: right, Brian? You know what I'm talking about. Uh huh. He's not listening to this. So, fucking. The, Mr. the man, man who has everything. I can buy that shit because I'm awesome. Dickbag.
0: That would be awesome, though. That would <laughs> Jesus, be a cool. You're watch.
4: not bitter
3: at all, are you? <laughs> no! You've seen his movie collection? Uh oh. And. And, uh and uh record collection and uh yeah he can go fuck himself i mean i love you brandon he's got a pretty hefty movie collection huh jesus christ it...
4: <sighs> john
3: john like a, has like metaphorical penis envy yeah <laughs> and i've got a lot of shit
0: i know but you do so i'm kind of concerned here
4: his because uh, mike his...
3: thinks
0: he has a big one and now
3: he's
4: concerned
3: that's <laughs> right
4: it's kind of amazing point. his movie shelf area hasn't just fallen through the floor into his basement at this
3: point. Well, and I I asked him where he got his shelving, and he's like, "Oh, a video store is going out of business, so I bought them from him." I'm like, "No wonder they look so awesome!" I'm like, God damn it!
0: Yeah, um, aren't yours that, Jason? Aren't yours some of those ones that we bought from that video store that closed? Oh, not now. Oh, okay. Well, we used to have some. We of used us. to do yeah. it. Yeah.
3: Anyway, enough about that jerk, Brandon. <sighs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening, Brandon. So, um, <laughs> Why do you think he listens? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just Sorry. covering my bases here. <laughs> um, anything else about Escape from New York?
4: I think the big part of the problem here is just, like, we all love these movies, and so does everyone else who has halfway decent taste in movies. And so we we keep jumping from one to the other just going, Yeah, that was awesome!
6: Yeah, it's kind of turning I into the think Chris Farley show. To add. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: you remember that time that you were in that movie? Man, that was awesome.
0: Well, I have a feeling that uh, toward, towards the latter half of his career, we'll probably have a lot more to say.
4: Just because they haven't been talked to death quite so much.
0: That and more some there. of them are not that good. Yeah, that is good. No, that's good. You yeah, know. Okay. So then and what's what's cool is I like I like looking at the the years here. So um, once Halloween hit, he stayed pretty busy consistently. You know, he did two TV movies back to back, then The Fog in 1980, 1981
3: Escape from New York,
0: then 1982 The Thing. Oh, that movie. We <laughs> <you> just started <laughs> talking about it or no, I just
2: fucking love it. Yes. It's everyone's least favorite movie ever. Yeah, everybody hates this film.
3: I don't even know why we're just such a pile of shit. The thing that really
0: you know, and I get I get how art works sometimes, especially something <laughs> that's that's a true piece of art, that it isn't appreciated till later. But it just it always really makes me mad at the at the world and life, the fact <laughs> that uh John Carpenter almost it made the thing and it almost ruined his career because it was such a freaking flop but now sh- it's regarded as one of the greatest horror movies ever made hands down I don't even I
3: just can't figure out how that became.
4: was uh. at the time even horror fans were kind of turning on him saying like oh you've gone a step too far this is just being disgusting for its own sake
0: and here's the, and here's part of the reason I think um, Jealousy. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I, I think at the time, with horror fans in particular, I've I've read over the years that there were a lot of people butt hurt because he did a quote unquote remake, and not only wow. that, but he changed so much about from the original film.
4: Except so, he went back to a lot of stuff from the original book. So those people are posers.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> but uh, whether they're posers or not, they were the ones that. Uh, that uh, weren't buying that tickets. That
4: in droves to see fucking E.T. instead of going to The Thing.
0: Exactly. Well, that's that's the whole other story there. But yeah. I just want to say, you know, when we get upset about remakes and stuff, sometimes maybe we should take a step back, kind of look in the mirror a little bit and think, you know, hey, remember what happened with uh, with uh, The Thing and John Carpenter? And horror fans were butthurt. About uh, him remaking the thing, but yes, on the other side of things, part of another part of the reason why it flopped is because freaking Steven Spielberg made a happy alien movie at the exact same time.
3: <laughs> I like
0: how you said that. <laughs> like you were angry,
3: happy. Fuck the little bastard,
0: Fuck I kind of, I kind of am angry about it, you know, because it's like thing is such a great movie. John Carpenter's such a great director. It was so underappreciated at the time, and. It's great that people have come around. That doesn't really help John Carpenter now
4: um, get movies made, but uh, but he uh, still gets royalty checks from all the <laughs> Blu-rays and merchandise and stuff.
0: Well, yeah, good point, good point. But uh, you know, and as much as as great a film as E.T. is, yeah, it's
1: good.
0: It, it leaves a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth because I know it just like completely overshadowed the thing. And it makes sense, you know, it's the whole, the whole demographic is completely different between the two films. You got this hard R, you know, super scary horror film, or this family friendly that everybody can go to, little alien romp.
3: Both are awesome movies, just in different ways.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> although, John Carpenter never went back and took and CGI'd out the guns and put in walkie talkies in his movie. Oh, no. So, fuck you, Spielberg.
4: <laughs> you know, I hear the new Pirates of the Caribbean is also going to be a hard R.
0: R! Oh my
4: gosh. <laughs> oh, it hurt Ryan's me. no longer
2: allowed It hurt me. <laughs> Yarr,
3: this cheruby face as I am.
2: It also has Paul McCartney in it, but we're not talking about that movie. Paul McCartney. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh, I hate myself for doing that
1: one.
3: (laughs) As you should. (laughs) And I.
0: Jason, bring us back. What do you have to say about the thing? Every time I, I.
5: When I think of the thing, I think about Beetlejuice. The fuck? And that line from Beetlejuice when he talks about the Exorcist, but I think about it about the thing. It just keeps getting better every time oh. i watch
0: it oh i serious okay you scared me for a minute I'm <laughs> i was like, like where are you going, going. cuz he says it keeps getting funnier every time i see it so i'm like wait a minute what are you saying about the thing no uh, yeah you're right though it does actually it gets get better. better every time
3: it really does also
0: amazes me too is that we you know we've got we've got a horror film in the heyday of like you know where there's a lot of stereotype things going on in horror films. You know, back in the day, the formula was, you know, bloods and boobs. And we have a very amazing, a very effective horror film that doesn't even have a single female character in it.
4: So, you know. That's true. Yeah, Does so. everyone have the, the newest uh, Blu-ray, the Scream Factory one? Oh, of Yes. Course.
3: God that's fucking beautiful.
4: One of the rarest things in a purely practical effects movie like that is seeing it in high def making the effects look better. Yeah, and it, in it, this it, case it really does. The you know the the fuzz of the old VHS and the lower picture quality of the DVD were not covering anything up. If anything, they were hiding stuff because when I watched that Blu-ray for the first time, I was seeing things in the effects that I'd never seen before. And I've watched that movie about as many times as Beetlejuice has seen The Exorcist.
3: <laughs> it, the, it just looks slimier and bloodier and nastier and just overall more vile. That, that Blu-ray really fucking made it a different movie
0: kudos to rob Oteen then you know to be able to you know do a lot of amazing practical effects that still not only still hold up to the test of time but the better the better the picture quality a lot of times you know that doesn't always help a film with heavy practical effects um but what your guys are saying it actually enhance it even keeps enhancing it that's awesome yeah and that's
4: uh-huh. you know it Rick Baker is great too, and it's nothing against him, but just because of the whole, you know, winning the Academy Award for the first ever makeup effects category for American Werewolf, and just yeah. everyone thinks of him, Botine, you know, working at the same time, doing work every bit as good, totally wound up being second banana to Rick Baker, and I think that's totally unfair. I think they should be viewed as equals. Like, Botine should be every bit as famous to people who aren't horror obsessives as Rick Baker is, because his work is just as fucking good.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. But um, botine kind of came out of Baker, though, too. I mean, like he didn't get birth to him. Or oh, thank God!
3: <laughs> I was like, "Where's this going? What
6: effect
0: was <laughs> That's that? Hot. That's hot." He's uh, Bautin. Uh, worked worked under. Baker, I thought. They were. <laughs> like, no, that's, I not, that's not you're, you're any not, better, you're does it?
4: You know, you're, you're just making this worse.
3: Yep. Yeah, just shut up now. All but right, they <laughs> both put
4: out werewolf. They put out werewolf movies the same year, and yep. maybe this is blasphemy. I actually like the werewolves in the Howling better than the ones in. They're the one in American Werewolf, but.
0: Oh, I agree with you also, but that's just because I have a preference to um, upright werewolves, more yeah, anthropomorphic werewolves than you know, just big dogs on all four legs. Not saying that that werewolf doesn't look badass and creepy as hell in American Werewolf in London. As far as a four-legged werewolf goes, it's still the best. But I would much rather have an upright werewolf anytime.
3: I really don't know what I would prefer. I, I mean, I love both of those movies. I mean, I probably like American Werewolf more, because that's just the one that I watch more. But I guess I never really thought about which style of uh, werewolf
4: that I would prefer. Hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm in the bipedal camp all the way. I think they just look more like a monster and less like
5: a Yeah. Dog. Hey puppy.
4: Yeah, yeah. The the further How you can get away from,
5: from this. Oh, my face, throat. too late.
0: Why
3: are my guts hanging out?
0: <laughs> the further you can get away from like something that we know and something that is real, like a like a, you know, wolf on four legs, you know, still maintaining you know, uh, realistic uh, biology too. Um, no, but uh, no. the you know the cooler I think the monster is. Yeah.
4: An interesting workaround to that little conundrum. There's a very cool Scottish werewolf movie from a few years ago called Wild Country. Hmm. The effects were done by Bob Keen, hmm. who did Dog Soldiers and Hellraiser among other things. Oh, nice! And the the werewolves, the lycanthropes. I don't even, I don't want to call them werewolves because they're not wolves. They look like giant Andrew which were prehistoric uh, mammal-like reptiles, kind of bridging the gap between like the Dimetrodon type thing and more into the therapsids and stuff. But great, big, long snout, huge fangs, kind of you know, big shoulders tapering down to smaller haunches like a hyena, except their faces are really long. They're really cool. Look up Andrew Sarkis. Okay. And you'll you'll see what I mean. But yeah, anyway, the lycanthropes look like that rather than a wolf. So making them look like a prehistoric four legged monster you know, puts a whole different spin on that.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: Alright.
5: But
0: that what it was
5: the only reason Mike didn't like the Twilight movies is because they were just wolves. Those were instead. just straight
0: up wolves. There was nothing <laughs> creative about that. That's
5: that's
3: and the only use, reason. reason why you didn't like. That's the Jesus. only
0: reason. And I'll, I'll one, I've never seen those movies, so I whatever.
3: Whatever you watched every mm-hmm. single. One.
0: And there's way more reasons to obviously hate all of those movies, but <laughs> it is an annoying aspect of the of the Twilight films. Like there's no there's. There's no, there's literally no design in, in, in those werewolves. They're just fucking big Make, wolves.
5: Dumb.
4: Might I? Oh my oh, god! Oh, you're gonna I'm, defend you gotta, Twilight? Shut up no, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> defend it. But they're not werewolves. They're Native American skin changers. They're supposed Uh-oh. to turn into actual wolves.
2: Skin walkers. Well That's still boring. Still and lazy. Fucking stupid. <laughs> no,
4: the, they're they're utter shit. They're utter shit. I'm just... Okay. But
2: they call
4: them Hey, you
3: guys. I there to Somebody who told me that I needed to watch those movies, because she's like, I really think you'd like them. As a horror fan, I think that you'd really... Oh, want my God. Oh and my I'm God. like, you're. Fu-. I'm like, no, I'm not going to fucking watch that crap. Well, I you're got my even... husband to watch them. Yeah, because he wanted to fuck you. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> like,
4: I will he, say they... Hey,
3: this is Christ. I... Oh, they're utter shit.
4: They are the best things Riff tracks has ever done.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, I've heard that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. So next thing you're going to tell me, they're not really they're vampires. Like they're just like... Um, no, you know, they're still stupid-ass They're male vampires. fashion models or something.
3: They're uh, leprechauns who sparkle. Yeah. Or something. They're Fuck them.
5: You guys remember that time when Brian defended Twilight?
3: <laughs>
1: I did
5: defend that
3: it. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually to be... Like at the beginning of every episode from now on, we're going to do like a, like a reminiscing thing. You guys remember that time Brian defended Twilight? And then we go on and it's, that's what's going to be every episode now, Brian. It's like one of those, uh, you know. Play, you know, we shows can't. for the Simpsons or something and it's just they're just gonna replay you <laughs> defending Twilight.
4: I didn't defend it. God damn it, I knew I was stepping into the second I no. had to off oh.
0: oh my god. So the thing uh <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we're getting back to that. I also I gotta tell you, man, I love me some Wilford Bremley. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he's doing a diabetes commercial or if he's you know in diabetes. the thing,
3: because he's got a great
0: voice. What it's
2: I've told diabetes. you, diabetes—that's
0: this- what I said. That's
2: how he, he says it. it. Oh, okay. Diabetes,
3: <laughs> diabetes, diabetes. <laughs> you no, know, he's got a, he's got a great album out.
1: Oh. He's got an album.
3: Yeah, he's got. I think he has more than one, but the one I have, he uh, covers "It Ain't Easy Being Green."
4: Oh my god! I gotta hear this. Also
3: I, I, I swear I brought this up before. I have it somewhere.
4: I bought Does it, it. Also contain advertisements for oatmeal. No, but it should it should have come with a packet of oatmeal.
3: No, I bought it years ago at a uh, thrift store. I just saw, I was looking through the CDs and I saw that I'm like, I don't care how much this is. It's going home. <laughs> this exists and I need it.
0: That's awesome.
3: He's actually got a great voice,
0: dude. But seriously, he is awesome in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, between him and obviously Kurt Russell, those are probably my two favorite characters in the whole movie. Although, i got to say, I'm also a huge Keith David fan. Yeah. Who will also come back on this list, on this filmography of John Carpenter. So
4: the we'll, greatest fist fight ever put to film. That's
2: right. <laughs> the longest fucking yeah. fist longest,
3: fight. longest,
2: slowest fist fight <laughs> but it's awesome anyway anyway that's another movie
0: yeah although sometimes i sometimes i'm sitting there and i'm watching a movie where keith david shows up and i get all excited i'm like
3: oh awesome it's keith david kick
0: ass and then like i have requiem for a dream flashbacks and then i can't look him in the eyes anymore
3: i was gonna say you're like this is awesome and then you realize it was that movie and you're like oh i'm gonna go cut my wrist now because i don't feel good about myself
4: no no Mike, you can't look him in the eye anyway. He's just on TV. He's not really there with you. It's okay.
3: (laughs) What?
0: Huh? All these movies aren't real and they're not all my friends?
4: Okay, so... (laughs) I love that downer ending, though. You can never get away with that. I mean, obviously... Well, you you could, but not not in a movie that was going to get a big Hollywood... I say that, now I'm thinking of The Mist, which has, like, the worst downer ending in the history of film. I fucking love it for that. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, that's what I meant. But, like, you know, when they did the pre-make, ugh, God, I hate that word. Um, you know, at the end, they... It just doesn't have that... Even though they're all supposed to die <laughs> leading into the Carpenter movie uh-huh. at the Norwegian base, it just doesn't have that same feel of, like, it's just these two worn-out defeated guys with no shelter, no food, yep. in one of the most inhospitable environments on the planet, just sitting in the snow looking at each other going, fuck, we got this one bottle of whiskey. I guess we can finish that off and sit around a while and see what happens.
0: <laughs> and it's such, it's such a great downer ending for the fact that, like, it's it's not like... You know, I'm gonna go back to nine living dead where everybody is dead at the end. You get yeah, no closure explicit. with these characters yeah and that's what makes it even more the better because you know that there's no way out of their yeah. predicament, you know, but uh, we don't we don't get to we don't get well, we don't get to see that final moment
4: or anything. unless you read the Dark Horse comics sequels from the 90s where they uh, are shortly thereafter rescued by a submarine. Uh, childs turns out to be the thing. And uh, <laughs> then McCready spends two four-issue miniseries fighting it across the uh, across the whole world. Really, um, mm. they're they're cheesy and dumb, and they're fun. But John, anyone, but
3: oh, well, I've anyone? never I've never even seen those. Yeah, anyone anyone read
4: those? No. Uh-oh.
3: But are they John Carpenter approved? I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, does
4: he consider that canon? Oh, I'm sure Carpenter doesn't, but they paid him the license, so he doesn't have a choice. That's <laughs> well, true. I also because see... he's
3: never said who he or he does he know like in his mind who the uh, the thing is, but
4: I don't think so. I don't think I... that's important.
3: No, but it'd be kind of funny if he's like, "I know who it is. I'm never going to tell. Fuck you."
4: <laughs> true.
0: Yeah, I kind of have a feeling John Carpenter could give two fucks about any expanded universe about any of his films.
3: Yeah, that's true. He's like, do what you want, I don't give
0: a fuck.
4: So you mean the uh, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in China, Big Trouble in Little China crossover comic that's going on right now doesn't matter to him?
0: I would assume probably not,
4: but I want to read it. (laughs) Uh Yeah.
0: That'd be fucking awesome. I didn't know that was happening.
4: Really? Yep. No. Mm-hmm. I think it's on like the third or fourth issue right now, something like that. Oh, it's
3: already, oh fuck, I didn't even know it was already, Jesus.
4: They, they did, com, there were comics of each one, you know, continuing stories of each universe separately first, and then now they're doing a crossover. I haven't read any of them, but.
0: Did you guys ever, anybody ever read those uh, Ash, first, uh, Freddy vs. Versus Jason versus Ash comics? I probably mm-hmm. talked about this on the show before. Are they good? I really like them. I really, really like them because uh, they try, they try really, 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 really hard to uh, connect everything, and they give you, they give you some cool little details here and there. Um, that is like, oh yeah, being a fan of any of those franchises, you pick up on. Like my favorite, my favorite aspect of the whole thing that brings Ash into the story uh, of the other two is that. Um, uh, the Necronomicon is partially responsible for Freddy the way that he is and Jason the way that he is, and the Necronomicon is in the Voorhees house, yeah, which is in Jason Goes to Hell.
4: Right, and I say the Friday the 13th 9 already did half the legwork for him.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Almost as if it was on purpose, but you know it wasn't. No. It's just they wanted to give you know, horror fans a boner by putting a prop from another horror franchise in it just a happy accident that... So I think that... I always thought that was cool. And then, like, um, in the second one, it kind of goes off the rails where, like, uh, Freddie goes after the president. But, um...
4: But, but the first one is completely dignified and, and true to the source material.
0: But what, but one of the cool things I like about the second one that Ash ends up at this, um... Uh like I want to say like an AA meeting but it's not an AA it's like <laughs> it's survivors of Freddy and Jason group okay and and it's got Tommy Jarvis there Tina from part, from uh Friday 7 uh, it's got um I think Alice from from the Nightmare series so that was fun you know it's just being fans of those franchises and getting those little you know strokes for the fans in those books, just made them just made them fun. I, I recommend reading them.
4: So there's loads of good horror crossover comics, though. Oh, yeah. There's, a, like, uh, Army of Darkness is, well, and not even just horror, like, the Army of Darkness is crossed over with the Red Sonja, because they're both published by the same company. There was an Army of Darkness Hack Slash crossover, which Hack Slash is strictly comic book property, which is fantastic, by the hack way. Hack
0: Slash crossed over with a lot, though. They also
4: did a yep. Herbert West crossover. Yep, and there was a Chucky one as well.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. They were supposed to do a, a Jason Voorhees one, but I think there was some, tie, some issues with knocking, you know, doing the rights or whatever, so... Yeah. At the time, anyway. And I know I also, I think I talked about it when we talked about our favorite horror authors on one of our bonus episodes that you can hear if you donate to our Patreon, Um, that uh, (laughs) they did, like, Marvel Zombies versus Army Darkness, where Ash ends up in the Marvel Zombie universe, and that one's so much fun as well. Anyway, so then, after the thing, in 19... (laughs) Nineteen eighty-three came. Christine, Woo-hoo. I freaking love Christine. I'm so glad Dude. that I got to rewatch that one. For yeah, the we show. watched
5: it the other night, and it fucking rules.
3: Yeah, I've got I've got a confession, okay, Jonathan. <laughs> I had not seen it until the other day. Oh wow, mm-hmm. well cool. One. I don't I don't know why that one is one that you know lapsed for me, but I watched it and I loved it. Cool, cool. It was really good. I loved the car. I loved the acting was really great. Yeah. the The main guy, can't think of his name right now, but he just yeah, he did a great job from going from the nerd to basically the asshole greaser that didn't give give a fuck about anything but his car.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally loved it. Now when you rewatched when we rewatched together Jason was that the first time you'd seen it in a long time or in a long time? Okay. You? Uh, probably not as long of a time for you, but it had been enough time for me to kind of for- forget how much I really appreciate that movie. Like I know we did Stephen King a uh, Stephen King episode not too long ago. And I know we had talked about I uh, can't remember if it was during the regular episode or the bonus episode where our favorite King adaptations were. That wasn't Creepshow because uh-huh. Creepshow is is always everybody's favorite, right? Anyway, right. Um, <clears throat> if I didn't say it before, I'm changing my answer to Christine. I think. Yeah, yeah, I really loved it so much, and and it and it it sucks because it was again an for both Stephen King and John Carpenter, it wasn't a successful film. Which, which is crazy. It's very crazy cuz it's just like as far as as far as the way uh you know, I mean there's been a lot of epic directors that have been attached to Stephen King movies. You know, you got Stanley Kubrick doing The Shining, you got Brian De Palma doing Carrie, you got Mick Garris doing Sleepwalkers. Um, oh, I thought yeah, that would get a chuckle. Anyway.
3: tee yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> That was a good chuckle. That was a good chuckle.
3: Tee-hee! <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Nightmares by now. But, like, some of the choices that John Carpenter made is, you know, is right up there. <coughs> excuse me. With some of those iconic moments in, say, The Shining or Carrie. I love movies, especially horror movies, that have killer or monstrous inanimate objects, or any time an inanimate object is treated like a character in a film. I'm, I love that shit. And, and what I like about it is how the director's got to put forth his true talents and be able to convey that this inanimate object is a character and try to convince me to believe that to be the case. And he does an amazing job with the car in this movie. The car really has some amazing, creepy moments when it's just sitting there being a car. You
2: right? know?
0: Not when it's like killing somebody or chasing somebody down the street or when it's remorphing itself. Just when it's just sitting there being just a car next to other cars. The, like, it's the scene at the football scene that I just love where the camera pan. The, the the camera or um uh the 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 boy and the girl cunningham and his girlfriend are, are kissing by the car and then um the football the football guy gets gets trampled and they come running they run away from christine and the camera just lingers there on christine and then some of that great carpenter eerie score music just comes in the car's doing nothing but it's a, creepy, it's a creepy shot. It's a creepy scene. And you're creeped out by that car. Because you're almost sitting there thinking, did Christine plan for Cunningham's best friend to get basically almost crippled during a football game? I mean, how far does this evil go with Christine? How far does her reach go beyond the laws of physics? So, wonderful movie. Great movie. And really we, great movie. And Jason and I were watching a lot of the uh, um, bonus features on the Blu-ray. And uh interesting fact that I learned from one of those is that those the, that scene where um, the car fixes itself for the first time and we see all the, the bumper fix itself and all that, all those effects were done after principal photography was done. And John Carpenter thought when he went back and watched it, he thought, it just needs a little more spice. And then they went back and shot and shot those effects. So not only are those effects are amazing looking, but to think that those effects were done at the last minute, at the final hour, to wow. get thrown into I, the
3: movie. I did not know that. They add so much. Oh, they do. It's such a great scene. It's one of the things you
5: remember about the movie that makes, well, it just, it, makes it, the it, movie.
3: You mm-hmm. take that out there and it were just kind of yeah it just wouldn't feel right as a movie yeah totally
0: totally you know so it's weird to think that yeah carpenters original vision didn't have that stuff in it it was all supposed to be when the car fixes itself it's all off camera kind of like when you first see the first thing that gets fixed (coughs) which is the busted up um what are those things called on the engine those You're things. asking
5: a bunch of yeah. horror movie nerds about
0: car stuff. That's, good. <laughs> that's really good. You know, the can' the the character walks away from it. Camera falls the character, and when the camera pans back, those uh, those parts are fixed. So it was supposed to be a lot of that kind of stuff. But yeah, glad it wasn't. It's was really really good stuff. Why this movie not go over? I that's, I, I, I mean, just there's don't get nothing it. wrong with it. Cause, dude. Look at this. I'm going to go back again. I can't speak to, say, like, The Fog, but, like, three... What, or Escape from New York. I'm assuming Escape from New York had to have done decent box office considering its budget. But two great classic John Carpenter movies, The Thing, Christine, both just freaking duds right in a row box office-wise in its day. I don't get it. Don't get it. Why,
5: Terry?
2: Uh, Terry? Oh, Classic like, classics. You, you no. Cause Popular later on because that's how most horror movies seem to be. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> did did have
0: you? Did you get a chance to rewatch Christine at all, Terry? No,
2: or? I've seen it before, but it's been eons. I, I was I. I read slash uh, listened to the audiobook a oh, while yeah? back, but that's not the movie, so that doesn't count.
1: How
0: do you read slash listen to an audiobook?
2: I, yeah. s- I started insert reading si- it, and then ins- I, I switched to the audiobook.
0: Oh, okay. I was well, going to be like, <laughs> insert side <clears throat> A. That Was that the reading part? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does,
3: uh...
2: Maybe.
4: Maybe does hearing it read out loud improve it any because I thought that book was kind of a clunker
2: it was kind of a clunker that's why I switched to the audiobook. those
4: are car, <laughs> I mean car terminologies like the reason for the car becoming evil just is so half assed
3: what, what is the reason I'm, I'm like, curious
4: it, it, it's owned by a shitty mean cranky old alcoholic guy and just like over the years of being around him essentially just his and then he dies I believe right does he get killed in the car or something to that effect? It's been a while since I've read it. Uh, but anyway, basically, this shitty old man haunts the car. <laughs> like, the car, oh, yeah. the car kind of takes that. on his cranky personality, basically. That's
0: fucking
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. well, so even, that's
4: even that So even that early on in his career, he was already kind of falling into the, you know, how Family Guy makes fun of him in that one episode where he shows up at his agent and is like, I- I've got a new book. Uh, it's It's going to be 12,000 pages long and it's going to be about a haunted, and he's just looking around the office a lamp, yeah, a haunted <laughs> lamp turns evil into acts of <laughs> I'd watch that like, yeah, no shit, that might actually be good it's just kind of, oh, wait. sort of a stretch
0: wasn't that Amityville Horror 3? wasn't that a haunted <laughs> lamp right. in that one? but
5: that's what's awesome about this movie is they don't fucking tell, I mean they just, guess what this car's fucked, right off the line and then there's, yeah. you don't get any reason and that's what makes it great.
0: Yep. That's what makes it great. Move where, on, where and the, let it be a badass and the ghost of well, the I'm owner. To... That feels like a cop out, but we all hate it. And why? Because like it doesn't live up to our expectations after, especially after seeing the movie when there's no, no knowledge of where it came from. So we our own minds have that built up.
3: Well, I'm trying to remember because I mean I, I kind of <coughs> spaced out the first like couple minutes. I mean I saw when the guy gets, you know, his arm smashed and whatnot uh in the movie but when the cars are coming down the line christine's the only red one right like everything yep. else is white yep. which i thought was really cool was like huh why is this one red and obviously creepy and evil but yeah i like that there's no explanation
5: no real i mean it gets a little taste of blood with the hood falling and then it's
3: like i, you know, I want to kill some more shit and the fuck guy shit up.
5: ashes his cigar in there and then he just Dies whether he dies in it or the car kills him, we don't know. But there's death. Well, but he he made right the there. car
3: makes ch- choke. So yeah.
0: And one of the things I love about this movie, or one of the favorite actors from this movie, Robert's Blossom. Yeah, he's so good in this movie. Yes, he he's good in everything, man. Home Alone doesn't matter. Well, yeah. I love him. Why? But he's really good in this movie. <laughs> he was really good. He was really yeah. good. He he's probably he's probably one of the best like cranky old men exposition yeah. characters of all time. Ever. Really? <laughs> he's he's only there for exposition, but uh, he delivers that shit like a pro. Yeah. Um I love Robert's Blossom and it's Robert's Blossom. I double checked. Yeah, it's such it. a weird yeah. weird Because he played Ezra Cobb in Deranged. Oh. Yes. Anyway. um Definitely. What's that? And
3: Farmer in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> yeah. 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 Farmer. Shocking.
0: And considering that his whole film career he looked old, I noticed he didn't pass away until 2011. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, what else was I going to say about Christine?
5: The score was awesome. I know that. Yeah. It was subtle. Anyway, check out. Patreon.
0: Anyway. <laughs> um, you used to be so much better at shameless plugs, buddy. Um, oh, I remember I was going to say okay, favorite character from the movie. I'll start the guy who owned the garage.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> Lovable asshole. My favorite. And he w- he's another actor that was in a lot of stuff back in the day. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, my favorite part, my favorite
0: line of his, he's like, "Ah, oh, you know, if you kind of pick up around here, you know, do a couple lubes, you know, put new toilet paper on this little roll thing, you know, shit like that. You can use whatever you want around the garage, and hell, I'll even chip in a couple bucks." And the kid's like, "I'll think about I'll it. Think about it." Well, don't think about it too long, I'll put you on your ass! <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that guy! It was so sad when he died. Oops, spoilers. <laughs> Everybody died. What? That's oh. true.
3: Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. No, please do. you. Oh, he died... While well, I was looking up the actor, he died uh, f- five days, four days before his... Five days before his birthday? In 08... That sucks. Yeah. He's oh. only 77, too. But he's been... I mean, he was in a lot of stuff. Mrs. Doubtfire and the highly underrated Last Action Hero.
1: <laughs> I've been meaning
0: to revisit that, because that's another movie I fucking that, love that movie. That was another movie that was a huge tank, but it feels like it's kind of come around to be a cult classic as well. But I Definitely. haven't seen it since theater, to be honest with you.
3: Oh, I've, I've, uh, I've seen it in the last like five or six years and I really like it (laughs) cool cool it's fun it's fun all right so
0: after Christine in 1984 you know and we keep talking about how like the thing ruined his career but he still stayed steady making a movie a year for quite a while um in 1984 he did Starman with Jeff Bridges which I read on IMDb that they were uh, lifelong friends, and Jeff—I don't know—and <laughs> and Jeff then
4: Starman got his car broken into.
0: Yep. And Jeff Bridges was actually supposed to play um, PJ Soul. I think it was PJ Soul's boyfriend in uh, the original Halloween. Ah. Huh. Just think about that. Okay, that's enough thinking about that. Yep. Uh, anybody have anything you want to say about Starman?
3: I own it. Yeah. And I maybe have watched it once. <laughs>
0: really wanted to watch it again, but I didn't.
3: Yeah. To... yeah. It's good.
0: And I can't... I don't know for sure, but I feel like that one was a bit more of a financial success than the previous two films. So, But uh, then after that came another... Misstep for uh, John Carpenter at the box office, but it's a movie we all love and cherish. In nineteen, uh, he took a year off for once. Now in the in the eighties, uh, and didn't come back until nineteen eighty six with Big Trouble Little China. Woo! No. Woo! Uh huh. Ow! So why is this movie awesome, Jason? I'm not sure. Someone
5: will have to explain that to me. <laughs> Terry.
2: Um, because all the things.
5: Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. I actually watched. I watched it again this weekend. So there.
2: Huh. Oh really? I did. Well, That's you missed right. your fancy pants. I know. We had to force this fucker to watch it the uh, first time. It
5: only took a hundred years, and I finally did. But yeah, I watched it again this weekend, and it's. It's fun. I have a hard time with his boots, but other than that, it's pretty good. That's what the, the one thing
1: with his boots. <laughs>
5: All right, I want to see you in those laced-up leather fucking things. Yeah. Anyway.
3: Yeah, exactly. I would I would totally yeah. want those.
2: I, I rewatched it again because I really really needed to, obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh my one, I do have there's one thing that kind of bugs me now when I watch it which makes oh. me sad. Oh. Um <clears throat> just Kim controls like whole performance basically. Oh,
0: Yeah. It's kind
2: of annoying.
0: I've never... And it didn't
2: used to be when I was younger, but now like I notice it more and more how awful she is. It's
0: it's a bit over the top and
2: a little bit. And, yeah. and it would be fine if it wasn't so over the top in comparison to everybody else.
0: Yes, yes. It goes I mean Everybody's a little over the top in this movie, but oh, really? Susie, Kurt
4: Russell Kurt Russell's so subtle in it.
2: <laughs> but he's better at I don't know. He's just more charm cheesy charming, I guess. Yeah. She's just Well, she's
0: I've never I've never really liked Kim Cattrall. I've never really liked anything that she's in. And I'm yes. a huge police
4: academy <laughs> fan. She's in split second and that's awesome. But she's barely in it. Right, John? Okay, so done fine
2: Leave Why me hanging. Is this, <laughs> this movie... i mean you've got James Hong who is always awesome in everything always as Lopan. and that's another that's another old <laughs> fucker
0: who still keeps going
2: fuck yeah he's in everything still still he's gotta be in his eighties now
0: I'm looking um okay quick do, 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 do mass he was in born country. in nineteen
4: twenty nine ah yeah. And he's in the Kung Fu Panda movies.
2: 1929, <laughs> so he's 88?
0: And, and Jesus Christ, he's got like. 3, and he's, is he still acting? In. He's got three things in production right now.
2: He's fucking crazy.
4: He did what? a lot of voiceover work in the old Godzilla movies, too. When they dubbed him into English.
0: Oh, that's right. Holy. <laughs> oh my god. I just looked. I just looked at the total acting credits.
4: And it crashed your computer, didn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. If I were to print, if I were to print this filmography off at work, I would get fired for wasting paper. Four hundred and eighteen acting credits.
4: Yep. Yeah. He's got John Carradine beat, I think.
0: I think so.
1: <laughs>
0: Holy buckets.
4: Yeah, Victor Wong is who. If in a perfect world he'd still be alive, and he would have played the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. Damn it!
2: Ah, mm. that would be awesome. He's so good. Eichin forever. Yeah. And I also 16. really like um the guy who, oh, what the fuck is his name? The one, the Mater D at the restaurant that's always in like the slick ass suits, <laughs> the plaid suits. No? No one? The sidekick I, guy?
4: I I just can't oh, think of the guy's oh. name. I know what you mean. But uh, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay,
0: yeah, Eddie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wang
2: <coughs> is awesome, too, obviously. Whatever that guy's name is. Dennis Dunn? Dennis Dunn? Dunn. And yes, And what's him. weird
0: is he doesn't have an IMDb picture. Yeah, I
3: know, and he was in a lot of stuff back in the day. That's weird. Like, good
0: stuff. Well, here's the thing, like, and again, I go back to listening to commentary tracks, um, but like on the commentary track for Big Trouble in Little China, one of the uh, one of the things, one of the revelations for me with this movie is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell talk about how like, essentially, this movie is is the the star of this movie is the sidekick, because um, <laughs> it's true because. Uh, Wang what's his name? Wang Chi? Wang Chai. Yeah,
3: yeah Wang Chi.
0: He is the he is the quote unquote action hero star of the movie, and it's really technically his mission. And it's Kurt, true. Kurt Russell's character is the is the goofball, doesn't always do the right thing, kinda messes yeah, up gets
3: knocked out by falling debris because he shoots off a gun. You exactly. Know. <laughs> um bumbling comic relief sidekick. Like not fully bumbling, like he is competent. He is but hired he's over, for
5: protection. And for
3: he's absurd. overconfident. Yeah, Yeah, way overconfident. But
2: he's, way overconfident. There are definitely times when he is incompetent, but he's so confident that he hides it really well, and you don't yeah. know. I mean, we know, but the people in the movie don't know. And it's hilarious.
4: That's yeah. what you said. The one thing about it that bugs you is Kim Cattrall's performance, which yeah, it's very broad and kind of shrill, but I guess the whole movie is such a kind of broad comedy in a way anyway, that that didn't bother me. But that little opening bit that the studio made him stick in with Egg Shen explaining that Jack Burton, you know, oh, that they yeah. all owe him such a debt because they yeah. just couldn't fathom a movie where the the white guy who's supposed to be the action hero is actually the bumbling dork and the Asian guy is the star of the show, you know? Like, yeah. how, how, how could you watch that movie and think Jack Burton is the hero? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I can't imagine being that dense of th- thinking <clears throat> I mean, at least as as an adult because you know, I'm sure the first time I saw it because I saw it pretty young too you know yeah. mm-hmm. that, that you know at the beginning the movie tells you he's the hero so he is but watching it as an adult it's so fucking obvious it's hilarious yeah the totally. accountants
5: must have told him that
0: they were the hero
1: uh-huh.
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah yeah and yeah and that yeah the beginning of the movie doesn't fit at all in the film especially uh, by the time you get to the ending it's just like what was the point of the opening It didn't make any sense and then like you know because it starts because it starts off with um i forgot the character's name again already he's basically starting to tell the story but then like Jack Burton kind of ends up taking over telling the story throughout the rest of the movie. So, whatever.
2: I love the the the, um the creatures. They're so cheesy and wonderful. The
3: weird little floating thing with all with the eyes.
2: The eyes, and then like the weird like I don't even know like part yeti or the
3: something. It reminds me of a Ninja Turtles character. Exactly! <laughs> yeah. but, and it's that like, exactly... why does this exist in this? They, there's never any explanation for these weird creatures, and I like that. It's just like, they're there, they're kind of protecting, but, like, okay, what? <laughs> <And> <laughs> why
2: then is the there three? Little? The three storms are so awesome, and it's so mm. weird when I just rewatched it this time, I didn't realize that um, the lightning storm... Ra- raiden basically um, <laughs> like later on in the movie uh he doesn't really show up ever it's just the other two it's like the other two and then they like randomly put him back in like right in the end mm. yep. so i, w- I wonder yep. i haven't watched a commentary for this film but i'm kind of curious if they say why that happened like did that actor like have a leave of absence or something like why is he missing from like two-thirds of the film basically
0: i wish i could remember if they addressed that or not i know i don't remember most thing i remember is that there's a good chunk of the commentary is kind of as far as important information is kind of lost with john carpenter and and kurt russell just laughing their asses off and then talking about (laughs) Talking about their kids and stuff like that.
3: It's like, oh, yeah. you know, they're, they're just they're just two Basically bros like hanging if we out. we Do a commentary? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't really give anything insightful. We just crack jokes. It's
4: like
0: two old friends who haven't seen each other forever forgot that they were supposed to be talking about the movie that they were, that they did together.
4: That's hmm. I, everyone says it's the thing. That's probably my favorite commentary with those two together. That's oh, just it's such a good-natured, fun, <laughs>
0: absolutely session. Absolutely, but I think that's what Kurt Russell does with people, you know, because uh, Used Cars is one of my favorite Kurt Russell movies of all time, and listening to that commentary, it's just Kurt Russell laughing at his own jokes through most of the whole freaking commentary, <laughs> as if he'd never watched the movie before. Uh, he's laughing so hysterically. Hilarious. I kind of need to see this movie now. Oh, you've never seen Used Cars? No. Oh, no I so haven't either. Oh, funny.
4: Love I've it. heard it's good, but
0: directed by Robert Zemeckis, a very early Robert Zemeckis movie. Oh wow, when
4: um, he was still good.
0: What's that? Back when Ooh. he was still good, back when
3: he direct when he directed Real People.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. Well, what does
3: he even do now? I don't even know.
0: I think just animation stuff. Produces well, that's lame. produces you know CGI f- films. I'm that did,
3: guy for having a lot of money.
0: Because I know he did. I know he did that Monster House. He did um, Polar, Express, Polar Express, and I think he also did oh, Beowulf. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, but uh, yeah, used cars is a lot of fun. It's also got uh, both actors who played Lenny and Squiggy in it. Um, oh, nice! It's got, uh, but you not not, just at, sold me. not as Lenny and Squiggy, mind you. No,
3: but, uh, oh, no, no, no. But I, I love Michael McKeon.
0: Yes, me too. Me so, too. So
3: you're, you just sold me. Oh, cool! Like, they're they're just, not into. I love, it a love this, everything he does when he's like in a comedic role, whether it's in you know Clue or on Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Or in Spinal Tap, the guy's awesome. And
0: I, I I've always said for the longest time, especially since I grew up on Laverne and Shirley, and I was such a fanboy of Lenny and Squiggy. Um, they even put out a, a rock album. And I have that. It's called what? Lenny, Lenny, and the Squigtones. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, is
3: it on, it's on vinyl.
0: Yeah, it's on vinyl, and
3: um, I'll mud wrestle you for it.
0: My, my, well, my <laughs> vinyl skips constantly because I wore that record out. I'm not
3: even kidding. But uh, so I will wrestle you in in Jello. I don't, I don't see what the problem is here. <laughs> so I still, the, I still want this.
0: So the first time That's I watched. Awesome. Yeah, it's totally awesome. It's such a and it the songs are funny because they're still playing Len, they're still being Lenny and Squiggy, but, yeah. this, but the music's actually really good, and and it's kind of a was kind of a precursor to Spinal Tap because it also had uh, in the band of Lenny and the tones it had um, uh, Christopher Guest uh, playing I think either drums on it or I think he was playing drums maybe.
3: That's what that's what makes shit like that or this is spinal tap you know stuff like they actually were musicians
0: yeah totally and the first time i saw this is spinal tap made me realize that my that michael mckeon is a freaking genius he should work a hell of a lot more and he's got amazing range because first time i well obviously first time i watched this is spinal tap i thought it was a real band and a real documentary and then when i realized that guy looks like squiggy (laughs) <laughs> or i'm sorry lenny that, that guy yeah. kind of looks like lenny and when i finally put the two together i'm like oh my god that's like night and
3: day characters right there kudos to him so if you have michael McKean and christopher guest together on a project i'm gonna automatically watch it
0: you you, you watch all those uh christopher guest um
3: i haven't seen all of them but like i love best in o,
0: yeah. and oh yeah
3: and all, all, all the i mean i've seen i haven't was it waiting for guffman yeah waiting for guffman was
0: the first one i
3: haven't seen all of that one but like i just i just love those movies they're just so fucking hilarious i mean most of them are uh ad-libbed anyway yeah they always use the same people and they all work so well together
0: yes you're absolutely right i love those movies too i have them all Um, For Your Consideration is probably my least favorite of it, but they stray from that documentary formula. It's a lot more straight of a narrative story. Um, And and back to John Carpenter.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, where were we? Brian, waiting for (laughs) Bliskin. That's a movie I want to see. <laughs> like a small town doing oh. a, a, a player musical of Escape oh from New York. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's got to be a
0: musical version. It's got to be a musical version.
1: <laughs> oh, that needs to happen so fucking bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, so <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China to Waiting for Guffman. We yeah, are amazing people.
3: We are amazing
0: so after, a <laughs> so after, so uh, after Big Trouble in Little China was Prince of Darkness, yes, which I haven't seen forever and unfortunately didn't get a chance to rewatch it. But you did you, Jason? No, I
5: fucking oh, okay. wanted
0: to so bad, but it was I
5: kept bumping it down my priorities and it I just didn't get to it.
3: Fuck the show, I'm out. Oh. I watched it. Good, Yay. somebody. See it
2: for the first time, too.
3: And did you like it?
2: Yeah.
3: Did you like it a lot? Yeah. Ah, fine, we'll go with it.
2: <laughs> it was pretty good. It's not my favorite John Carpenter film by any means, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, Victor Wong is all I needed once I saw him. True. And also, Dennis Dunn is also, 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 I'm saying that a lot in this Film and Donald Pleasance is in it too. I guess if that's important. To I just, anybody, I, just but oh. I love the past. <laughs> yeah, it was, and some new people. Um, I really liked the whole ensemble. Um,
3: you got one. Yeah, that's from Simon. Simon, because I'm blanking on his name right now.
2: <laughs> I guess I just like. Does John Carpenter doesn't usually do? I mean. I'm a noob when it comes to Carpenter, but you know, really religious overtones. I mean, seems like a lot of creaturey flicks and things like that. But this one's like straight, like the the devil. <laughs>
3: oh, it really is, though. I mean, it, but it's it's not. It's a religious movie without really being religious. It's just not how, preachy. Because it, it's, it's, yeah. it's more not of an so,
4: alien religious thing. It's, it's, exactly. It's, it's the thing that humanity wound up interpreting as the devil. It's not
3: actually. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't they, understand yeah. it, so they just assume, you know, or just it's made it. It's this thing it, this in a big
2: thing. vial of green gloop. Oh it's a that big jar people... of
4: Schmucker's Bielsa preserves. With a name <laughs> like yeah. Schmucker's, it has to be good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, some
2: of that. Bielsa Berry, that's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> that, that is the best joke you'll ever come up with.
5: Other tendrils. Last one. Yeah. Uh,
3: anyway,
6: <laughs> love you, Brian. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, no, it was it was good. I liked the the schizos including yeah, Alice yeah. Cooper that just kinda hung out and stood creepily yeah, around well, the building. Well,
3: the kinda of how no they're like drawn to the face, like they're being possessed by mm-hmm. the Greek goo. Yeah. And,
2: being influenced.
3: Yeah. They are protecting it in a and the whole... I've, 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 I'd have to double the trivia, but I think the whole bicycle death where they where uh, Alice Cooper kills that nerd yeah. with the bicycle <laughs> seat thing, uh, I think that's from a stage show. Yeah. Can anybody back me up on that? I, I'm sure, you know, Beam could. But I want to say it was from Cooper's uh, stage show at some point. That's awesome. That he used that as a prop uh, or maybe it went on to be a prop. I can't remember. It's been After a while.
2: After the fact, yeah.
3: Yeah, but I just... I just love this movie so much the uh when the uh the the tall black guy starts singing you know um got him blanking uh, on the song
2: amazing grace
3: amazing grace and he like <laughs> yeah just being all creepy slices his throat like and just the way they yeah. act they' yeah
2: they're- that guy in possessed. particular creeped my shit like Because
3: the the, the the nerdy girl well, shorter girl with the glasses that's one of the first possessed or is the first to get possessed. Uh, she's quiet, she just does her thing, but like he is vocal and unnerving and the way he laughs as he's doing he, like, everything
2: And when he like slices his fucking throat and then he's like being all weird after in the mirror it's, and shit.
3: Oh, the whole, the whole mirror thing where they're trying to reach, I guess, the, the devil's son or whatever, the prince of darkness, but yeah, the, ever devil. Just, the, the devil, the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or
2: there's whatever.
3: Just, there's just so much with this movie though. The, the, mu- I really love the music. I love the whole beam, like, you know, the, the beamed uh, image back mm-hmm. in time, like the, the VHS image, you know, of the future and all that shit, there's... It really would help if uh, Mike was back, so he could what? help
4: with okay. this. Okay, how about this? Yeah, I probably. love that the main characters, the heroes of the movie, are scientists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, you know, it's not an action hero movie, it's a bunch of nerds, essentially, trying to study this thing, and I this isn't a new observation in fact i think it might actually be from carpenter's commentary but that the movie is it's a quatermass movie if, has anyone seen any of those
3: well yeah the uh well one of them maybe but it's he wrote the movie under what what is it, the name he uses martin quatermass
4: oh that's right he does use yeah, that. i forgot the pseudonym was quatermass yeah, so yeah that would be but it's yeah but it's uh And it is, it's, you know, science versus not exactly the supernatural, but that there is in the end not a supernatural explanation for it, that it is a scientific phenomenon. It's just a really weird one.
3: (laughs) Just the whole, uh, the the church keeping the uh, thing a secret and how, what was it, like, pretty much when one priest would die, the next one would take over to, you know, hold the secret, but of course, why, why a a place in L.A.? Whatever.
4: Because he didn't have the money to shoot it somewhere else. Oh, good point. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there aren't enough movies where the heroes are scientists, and even, like, you know, the thing, most of them are research scientists, but you have, you know, the radio operator, the helicopter pilot, you still wind up with the, uh, you know the working class type dudes being the heroes of the movie, where the scientists fail. Whereas this one, they're all uh, scientists.
2: Yeah, I like um, how really the the one that I don't remember what the fucking chick's name is. It doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. A being girl sure. saves the day. She ends up being yeah. the hero in the end. instead of being the one left standing yeah yeah she jumps she pushes him through the mirror and it closes after donald pleasance breaks it
3: yeah i mean she's everybody in the movie is highly intelligent the the women the men they're all essentially equals um but then yeah she saves the day and uh May she rest in peace. the The actress <laughs> has been dead for she passed away seven years ago this October. Oh, Lisa, sad. Lisa, I'm not even going to pronounce her last name right. Lisa Blunt, Blunt, I don't know, but she's she's great in this, and then dead and buried. So I was kind of I was really bummed actually when she passed away because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, it's just a great cast. Very, it, it's varied. Uh, I don't want to say. A very, varied cast. I mean, you have your... I don't, know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how I want to say it. Damn it, Brian, help me.
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> awesome
3: cast? Sure. I don't know. Like
2: Good ensemble cast. Yeah,
3: here we go. Thanks. <laughs> See, this is why Mike needs to be here. It he would have helped a lot quicker, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I'll be perfectly honest that Donald Pleasance as a priest I don't know, like it worked okay I guess, I don't know I just never really envisioned him as that, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say it wasn't my favorite role of his I'll say that
4: oh see I thought he did great
2: yeah, he's Donald Pleasance so he'll do that But
4: <laughs> he's wonderful in anything
2: yeah,
3: exactly
4: I think possibly the slightly unhinged police inspector in raw meat is my favorite of his roles.
3: Oh yeah.
4: He's so much fun in that. I love that he gets to have a snarky bitch fight with Christopher Lee, who, (laughs) who is technically outranking him, but he can't help himself getting in a few barbs anyway.
2: I also really enjoy, um, Getting back to the movie. Um, no offense. Uh, the uh, one guy who gets stabbed by Alice Cooper and then turns into bugs and his body like oh. falls apart as they I mean, all watch him. He gets stabbed
3: by the creepy old lady, but that's
2: okay. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, his whole thing where he's basically an entity made of bugs and he does that weird, creepy voice. Yeah. Like, almost digital kind of weird voice. And then he just, like, falls apart. Yeah. Like, there's that so much insane. variety in the way people die or act in this film. I hear whispering.
5: Nope. Shh, nope. <laughs> I back.
3: We all Oh, you explain what's going on. Oh, I yeah. see how it is. Well, he's the all-knowing Mike's. He should just know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, at least it didn't stop the uh, conversation. uh,
3: Oh, yeah.
5: They needed (laughs) help out of it anyway, so... (laughs) Moving on. No, I don't.
0: Moving on up. So, yeah, that's really cool information you guys uh, had there about (laughs) Prince (laughs) of I was really intrigued.
3: Were were you guys done on Prince
1: of Okay.
3: Yeah, I don't know what else. I mean, well, I will say this most people who are going to be listening know that John Carpenter has his unofficial apocalypse trilogy yeah starting with a thing mhm and then this is the second one and then the third one will pop up later Absolutely. but most people most people know about i mean most John Carpenter fans will at least know about that at least i hope so they better Terry did you know what? I wasn't listening. God damn it! Never <laughs> uh, <laughs> mind then. We're done. Moving on. Yes,
4: yes John, I knew. <laughs>
3: well, of course you did.
0: So then after Prince of Darkness, then we're on to 1988 with They Live!
3: Now here is a movie. Yeah. Yeah, it <laughs> is. You know but it's also all this page
2: talked about to death. The well, world's longest fist fight It's not ever. Just
3: cause it's like 45 minutes long Doesn't mean it's, <laughs> it's that long It's so
1: long
3: Just it's... because it's they're still filming it like, you know, <laughs>
2: 30 years later Doesn't mean it's that long I'd seen this before And then when I rewatched it this time I was just like Oh well it's you know They come to a stopping point every once in a while And then it just starts back up again yep. And you <laughs> every time I'm like why is this still happening? What is going on? Watch the
3: South Park. Yeah, the enough. South
5: Park like, shot for shot. Shot for park.
2: shot, oh shot
3: remake. Oh my yeah. god, it's like the greatest thing ever.
5: With <laughs> cripples. <laughs> With
0: Jimmy and I... Jimmy.
4: Timmy. Timmy! <laughs> That's what makes that fist fight not the South Park one, but the actual one. So great, though, is that they're I mean, it's realistic. They're both fighting to make a point. They're you know, it's not a cool action movie fight where everyone's just got the moves and they're you know they come out of it without their hair must. Like by the end of it, they're just fucking exhausted.
0: Yep. And then
4: and it's laying on the too. ground like.
1: Years. <laughs>
4: that is
0: what Fine. makes that, that, It is what makes that fight so so epic and memorable. Though you're absolutely right. It's yeah. it's so real. It's a real fight. It's not some fancy schmancy action fight sequence there's no wire foo there's no you know any of that shit so <clears throat> that's what makes it so great and I'd say like there's three things about this movie that go that'll go down in history sunglasses the bubblegum line and the alley fight
1: yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it's it's really interesting how this movie has kind of resurfaced in popularity with the new uh, presidency like there's been a lot of there's been a lot of fan art like, you know using the the alien faces and whatnot from this film and mishmashing them with current um, politicians and such and it's awesome.
4: Jeff Zorno and Mitch O'Connell have done the two. That I like the best so far. they both yeah. done Trump. Well, O'Connell's done a Trump one, I think, and he also did a Hillary one. He had, like, dueling ones during the election.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
4: then uh, Zorno, I know he's done an Alex Jones one, and I can't remember if he did a Trump one or not, but. Awesome. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that's kind of always relevant, and <laughs> probably more relevant now than it used to be.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the scary thing about it, too. I like it. Is
4: inter- no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that both sides can appropriate this movie equally. Like, it's. I'm pretty sure, you know, with Carpenter, it falls on. You know, his intent falls on the liberal side, you know, and being made in the Reagan years. But, um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of arguments for the right wingers appropriating this one, too, whereas usually it's such a cut and dry, like, how could you think this was one thing or the other? Like, you can kind of see the other side's point. You know it's about them, and they're fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely. Is it
5: too heavy-handed on the message?
0: Too heavy-handed or too I mean, it's a, it's a great... Well,
5: <laughs> it's a great message. I know that. Well,
0: what I like about it is it, it, that it... He, and he's done this a few times in his filmography, where he he has this he has this kind of message agenda going on and some subtext in a very numb, dumb, just action movie. And when I say dumb, I don't mean like it's a, it's a terrible movie, it's stupid or anything. That it's just it's just mindless, it's just mindless fun type of movie.
4: It's an '80s weightlifter with a machine gun movie. Mm-hmm. Except it's making fun of those. Yeah. And also making a really smart one of those at the same time. Like, there are lots of great layers to it.
0: Exactly.
5: I I mean, I watched this one again this weekend, and I'm just, I like it a lot. I like this movie a lot. There's a couple, I just, I don't know if it's because of the story, where it's just like, it's, on one hand, I don't think it's a very strong story because it just starts and you and and you just kind of follow this guy that just kinda of is just watching around him yeah so you're
0: there's no like major agenda or anything it's just a it's just a, you movie just about kind of a guy. he just kind of stumbles on this thing truth.
5: he thinks he sees, and you kind of follow him around and then he you know twenty thirty minutes in figures finally puts the sunglasses on I mean it's at least twenty minutes you know it takes a while for it to I mean I like that part too I just it's just and then once he he just kind of stumbles into the next part you know finding the group of people he just kind of stumbles into and, and like there then that's kind of it though you know like yeah there isn't a lot uh, there's a couple sentences to describe the plot of this movie. And it's, plot so it's not is much. kind of a loose term. Too, yeah, it's you know. very. Yeah. So I mean, I just I was questioning if it had a strong story. I liked all the. I like a, a lot of. The, I like the movie a lot, but. I'm like, uh, watching it again. It's just story wise, it wasn't nearly as strong as I my memory had it. I guess. As I, a solid well-written movie
0: and i agree with you and that's what i'm saying that's why i i do like it because you know it it's not it's not heavy in plot or story it's it's heavy in message but it what it lacks in story and plot is just mixed up with just dumb fun action and antics um which you know makes it kind of like a kind of like a dumbed down movie there's no there's no big storyline no big plot no big uh hey we're gonna take down the aliens plot line or anything like that it's just just following this dude as as he realizes everything he knows is is wrong so but that's what i like about it you know and, and he and he john carpenter's got quite a few movies that that fall into that category for me so especially when he does more of like action type films you know we couldn't go back to big trouble in little china you know jack burton is a lot like rowdy Roddy piper in this movie and the fact that like he's just kind of along for the ride it's as if it's as if in in they live and in big trouble in little china there is another story there's the actual story just going on directly to the left you know uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat>
5: And I like that movie's score, but at the same time, it's just that one... You know, just like uh, that one theme over and over. It's the
3: working hand. It's the working theme. It's kind of the downtrodden, you
5: know... It's kind of slow and droopy and repetitive like all John Carpenter songs. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. You're not wrong. Yeah. Did, but in they live it all. I mean, you almost hear it too many times, where it kind of hurts the movie. I think
0: it's it's good. It's just anytime you get but music that's too repetitive. No, it's
5: repetitive. But then it's used. It comes back a lot yeah. through the movie. Anyway, those gotcha. are my only downsides. I I still like it a lot, but it's good to.
0: Yep, yep. Terry, you have anything else you wanted to say about *They Live*? Since you said th- this was one you watched for the show, right?
2: Yeah, I rewatched it. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. Okay. Just that fist fight it
0: was <laughs> way too long.
2: Not I didn't sign up. up to watch a wrestling match. I signed up to watch a fucking movie. But that's the whole but thing.
3: But the movie I mean, stars
0: yeah. a wrestler.
2: I know. Which is why I felt like they made it that fucking long and it annoyed well, me while I was watching it.
3: John wanted to use some of his uh skills. Yeah, who uh
5: who and suplexes John is in a normal fight? Right? Nobody. What's that? Who yep. does a suplex in a normal street fight? No one ever.
3: You haven't been in a fight with me, baby. <laughs>
5: It's all suplexes plexes and figure four leg locks. That's all this guy does. Yeah. Alright. But so Keith David, yeah.
0: Yes, and we're back to Keith David. A whole lot of Keith David. Yes. The other half Keith of the David two fist fight. And... What's that? Nothing.
3: Okay. <laughs> Nothing important. Gotcha. Aww.
0: I assumed, but... Okay, oh. so... <laughs> So, They Live 1988, moving on to 1992, Memoirs of Invisible Man. I watched it in the theater, probably will never watch it again. Whoa, oh my anyone god. else? I've never
3: seen it, and I just don't care.
2: I totally remember watching this, like, when I was younger, and as I was going through his filmography, I'm like, oh my god, that's that Chevy Chase Invisible Man movie that yeah. I watched forever ago and did, had no idea who directed it.
3: So I only care that awesome. Sam Neill and Michael McKeon in it. Beyond that, don't give a fuck.
0: I appreciate yeah. the subtext of this movie where it's John Carpenter just trying to make Chevy Chase disappear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I support that moment. But other than that, no thank <laughs> you. Good.
4: Well, it was essentially like a director-for-hire studio project, wasn't it?
3: But it's so I odd. I think so, yeah. But it's so odd, because he was doing pretty well, and then, bam, like something like that. But maybe he just needed money for his next project, I don't it
0: not know. Felt, if you want to say anything, it felt like this is the one he had the least control over. Maybe, you think? Probably. I mean, that's, <laughs> Perhaps. That's what it feels like, because there's for me and again i haven't watched it since the theater so i'm just talking about out of my ass here like i always do I said that before john could um is that <laughs> is that uh it doesn't have it doesn't have anything in it that really makes it feel like a john carpenter movie hmm. anyone else
2: It has been, like, literally at least 20 years since I've seen this movie, so... (laughs) I just remember Chevy Chase as the Invisible Man, and that's the knowledge of this movie.
0: And And tonally, I can't figure out the movie. I I lumped this movie in with Wes Craven's Vampire in Brooklyn. Because it's both, like, two major comedic actors trying to do something a little bit more serious with some major horror cred behind them at the helm. But both failing miserably, whether the whether it's the fact that the general audience couldn't get past the fact that these are two comedy people, or the fact that the movie totally, neither of those movies totally
4: make any sense. I was going to say if if this is anything like Vampire in Brooklyn, it flopped because it's fucking awful.
6: Well, that's. (laughs)
4: I've never seen Invisible Man, but I've seen okay. Vampire in Brooklyn, unfortunately.
3: Oh, it's, it's bad.
0: It is bad, and that's the thing. <laughs> bad. It, it, it's kind of the same thing. There are some Chevy Chaseisms in that movie that, if, that if I, <laughs> my memory, yeah, if my memory serves me, <laughs> and yet he's trying to do, you know, trying to do something serious out of the comedy spotlight, and that was always my assumption of Vampire in Brooklyn. But then in Vampire in Brooklyn, why in the hell does he do an over-the-top? Um, church evangelist impersonation in the middle of the movie that's obviously for comedic
4: fodder somehow watching somehow watching the invisible man try to staple up Christmas lights on his roof just doesn't have the same effect because you can't (laughs) see his facial features (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah so we can we should move on quickly from memoirs of invisible man yeah Then, in 1993, was the TV movie, uh, horror anthology Body Bags, where not only did he direct a couple of the segments, but he also acted in the movie, too, as the, um, like, mortician wraparound host of the movie. Fuck yeah. Another great Scream Factory Blu-ray.
3: Which I still need.
0: I don't... What's the matter? No. Okay. Um, a couple of the segments are okay. It definitely definitely has a early 90s made-for-TV feel to it, which isn't always necessarily a good thing. Anybody have anything they want to say about body bags? I appreciate I awesome. appreciate it's I've got never. Robert Carradine in it. I love me some. I've nerds. never actually seen him Oh Justin Beam Not does bad. commentary. Yep. Good well, for him. He moderates the commentary. Yeah.
3: Oh, he's so special.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then in nineteen ninety four was one of my favorites in The Mouth of Madness. Yeah. The third in what you were <laughs> calling John the Apocalyptic trilogy
3: and it's got Sam Neill and that's all i care about
0: <laughs> <laughs> who wants to who wants to talk about this one cuz you watched this one i did this episode. weekend yeah for the first
5: time ever uh right? yep okay no what? the first the first time my second time yes ever um i don't uh, know Me I, too I, I for some fucking reason the sam neill thing kept getting me fucked up and i was thinking event horizon Every time I'd see the movie or every time I see in the mouth of madness, I'd think, Oh, the spaceship one. Uh, and I never Right. Totally wrong.
3: Way. Way wrong.
5: Uh I thought it was kick ass.
3: Tells you Good.
5: Yeah, I thought it was super kick ass. Just kinda replaying it back in my head now.
2: <laughs> I watched it for the first time as well this weekend. And it was awesome. Uh, first of all, the fucking rockin' theme. Yes. Since, yeah. yeah. See
3: why I like it? Oh, that's <laughs> like, my oh, favorite yes, favorite. we
2: are in the 90s, is what I got from that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was, I, I love Sam Neill. He's always awesome. But I just, I liked the vibe of it and fucking creepy, like right away in the beginning with the, uh, the agent. Like just walking toward the window mm-hmm. with the fucking axe in toe and he's just
3: Oh yeah.
2: Oh I, man. I just love
3: that scene in general because they they set up that whole scene with <clears throat> with Sam Neil and the insurance guy just sitting there talking. But there's a lot of always a lot of action going on in the background and it's kinda <laughs> like, Well that's, that's kinda weird. Like it's like it's it's like it's drawing your eyes away from what they're talking about. Like, you don't want to pay attention to them, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, here's the agent coming in with an axe and shit like that. Like, Family Guy does stuff like that, where they have the the foreground, there's conversation going on, but what you need to pay attention to is the background. Like, Stewie's doing something weird and fucking hilarious, but that's kind of the the vibe I get from this scene. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No. Like, oh yeah, I kind of care what they're talking about. He's like, hey, I want you to, you know, stay on as my my go-to guy. Oh yeah, you know, blah blah. But like, oh look, here comes a guy, with a
2: fucking axe blasting like, through the fucking. What's this fucking, fucking guy doing back yeah. here? What's he doing? He's he oh, keeps
3: walking this way. It's just so fuck. And there, people are screaming, and they're like oblivious <laughs> to it until he smashes the window.
2: Yeah.
4: And then okay, once I you it. see him up close, he's got this messed-up sideways pupil goat eyes. Yeah.
2: yeah. Or, like, they're, they're, like, split... They're, like, two pupils, like... Pushed together, I don't know, something awesome and creepy.
0: It is a great example of what Alfred Hitchcock referred to as, like, the bomb under the table moment, where you establish that there's a bomb under the table... But two people are, but we were watching a conversation of two people sitting at the table talking about whatever, while and they don't know the bombs there, but you do. So it's that great, like, like you guys were saying, directing your eyes to something else, where they're oblivious to what's going on, on the outside, we're just oblivious to what's just going on right outside their peripheral. You know? Yeah. And and but you know something's going to hit the fan here any second. So That is one of the most iconic mo- moments of that movie. Yeah. So well, so well done. So well done.
2: Well, and just this whole movie, it walks like this fine line between <clears throat> fantasy and reality. And you kind of, you duck in and out the whole time and you're unsure of what's what. And it, you know, the whole point being to make you feel a bit of madness, I guess, as you're watching it. Yeah. And I always love movies that do that.
0: Yeah, ones that kinda think, fuck with your come fuck with your head there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um I also think that I really have a thing for horror movies that involve like books or authors for some reason. We should do an episode on that. I don't <laughs> know if there are enough of them. But they're awesome. And yeah. and this one I just love that. They basically get transported into the book, and things are, you know, they are as they are written, but then they can also be changed because, uh, what's her face? Um, chick from, uh, Friday Night 2. Oh, yeah, is, that is her. <laughs> uh, that. bad chick. Like, crazy? she's written, like, she, she gets written out. Like, they reveal that spoiler alert at the end that you know, she doesn't exist anymore because she read to the end and he wrote her out of the book so she wasn't there anymore.
0: Yeah, it's just,
3: just...
2: interesting.
0: There's just so much just layers so much. on
3: layers with this, with yeah. this one. Yeah. You, you never really know what is the reality. And that, well, in at the end, with Sam Neill in his straitjacket yeah. watching everything that he... that we essentially just watched. Like, he's watching the movie that we just watched... And basically just laugh like fuck it. Well, I don't know yeah, what the world just, is anymore. The world's just over, that this whole whatever.
2: Time, he well we we find out or we believe that he's a part of this book and he's like this fictional he thinks he's fictional and it's just all it's such a fine line and it's it's just What i I
3: mean, is the reality that he is a fish character? Or is he completely nuts and just thinks he's the fictional exactly. character? Exactly. Like it's just so good, you never know what the reality is. It's you know, I mean, the whole compare. Well, the, the the author's comparisons to Stephen King in the movie, like he what he outsells Stephen King, you know.
5: Well, his name sounds like the, Stephen King when you say it fast. <laughs> yeah,
3: and then the whole Cthulhu, you know, and kind of vibe throughout the thing. Yeah,
2: yep. lots of creatures. They're, one of my favorite parts that made me laugh out loud was um, in the final scene where he is talking to Charlton Heston, whatever his character's name was in the movie. Dick
3: Mag- B- McGillicuddy
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> You need a name? Charl- you need a fast? <laughs> Ask John. <laughs> uh-huh. uh,
2: Charlton uh, Charl- Charl- Heston. Charl- Heston was a dick, But Sorry. you know, and he's... And Sam Neil is just pleading with him like take it off the shelves. They can't read it. It's gonna cause mass hysteria. And yeah, all this and he's like and he's like, and he's like, well, what about people who don't read or whatever And he's like, well, they're making a movie or no, he's telling that to someone else. I fucked that up. Yeah. whatever you get the idea but God still, damn it, Terry
5: <laughs> but still you're like, shit, I'm he's watching smart. that movie
2: but <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean.
3: With the whole thing, I mean, there's so many different things, like, it's that transcript, and he's trying to, like, bring it to the real world, and then he finally sees Charlton and he's like, what are you talking about? You gave us that, like, six months ago, it's been in print for three months, yeah. Uh-huh. and, yeah, he's, there's just so much shit. Crazy.
2: Oh, now I remember, he says, people are gonna go crazy if they read it, and Charlton Heston's like, well, I hope so, they just optioned the movie, and then he's like, "No!" Yeah. and he storms out.
3: The the one creepy scene that I really really love is uh, Sam Neil just you know get basically gets the gig, looking for um, why can't anybody remember his
4: name Sutter Kane
3: Sutter out K- oh, fucking time somebody said okay so he he just now basically learned about Sutter Kane and he goes to the bookstore and he's looking through the books and they just this creepy guy comes up to him and says he sees you. <laughs> okay, fuck off, nerd. You
0: know? But he's just like. I want to remake like this movie. Doing- what? I want to do a remake of this movie, shot for shot. Just take Sam Neill out and put John in. I know. I want that moment where that guy does that and you're just like, alright, fuck off, nerd.
2: <laughs> well, and I love after he's made the trip back from. Is it Hobbs End? That's yeah. what. When- yeah, after he's made the trip back and he's kind of following the same footsteps that he did before and he's walking past like the posters for the, the book before he gets to the alley and there's like that tear yeah. and he rips it off and it's like, and it's this image of some illustrated image of a guy and then you go to the bookstore later where they're releasing the final book in the Mouth of Madness and that's that same image, how it was there okay, we're the whole
3: time. Totally doing a commentary track for this movie.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I really like that it, effect just too gonna with be, the it's and just gonna be
3: me yelling at the nerd.
5: Where he peels away the stuff. Yeah. And, and then she
3: reads the whole thing like and you know, basically That was a cool effect. Just describes everything, you know, that's going on, like how he he, he peels how away was already the pages and he you know, looks into the void, blah blah you know, whatever. I don't remember how they put it, because way better than I could ever do. But it's, f- it's just such a fucking great movie.
2: Yeah, I really liked
3: it. And, and how not, well did it do? Mean, not very well.
5: How well did it do?
2: I mean, it's—I okay. don't know box office numbers. But I don't think
3: it did horrible. It's but it's
2: rated pretty highly, at least on IMDb.
3: And can we talk about the old lady that runs the inn? <laughs> yeah, oh, her husband
2: or whatever. Yeah. My God! Oh, so, and the fucking painting. Was, what yeah, the, the, the pay- fucking painting. Fucking creepy.
5: Yeah, creepy as fuck. It
2: was one of the creepiest fucking things <laughs> in
3: the whole movie, and I have no idea what.
6: The when the, with the old lady like
3: the next day essentially because you know at first she's like normal, but then the next day when she looks like she's been doing coke for six days straight and her eye, you know, the area around her eyes are all purple and she's just like. Yeah. Really aloof and all that shit and then you know, he kinda of, he hears He makes Sam some
6: Hill's jackass talk at her
3: and then she like fucking like kicks her husband who's tied to her fucking ankle. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I want a movie we... about that family.
2: Can we just point out that Sam Neill is a total asshole in this movie as well? Like, oh, he is, but he's my hero. He is just such an asshole. But it's like, funny asshole? Like, I found myself laughing, even though he was the shit, being the complete the dick to everybody. He does
3: the styles in the car. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, wait, was, <laughs> it work. can't, I can't how it works? But basically what he's a the dick. what the fuck is wrong with you? you like, mean? why is he the chosen one? Kicks a guy in the balls, you know? <laughs> yeah no I I really enjoyed it it's one that I feel like I need to go back and watch now and now that I know how it turns out go back and catch everything because I'm sure there's a lot of
3: stuff hidden in there 15 years I don't know but I didn't see it I always wanted to see it because I remember reading it was probably a Fangoria I looked at a copy at you know whatever store in Kelowna and they had a thing on Sam Neill because, of course, I was at the time. I was a huge Sam Neill fan because of Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. So I just wanted to see it. Never, never got to see it until uh, I was in college. My my girlfriend at the time, her roommates had it, and I'm like, okay, we got to watch this like right fucking now. And I was blown away how good it was. Like really fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. So well acted. Jurgen Jer- how do you say? <laughs> Prokhnaw. Yeah.
1: Oh.
3: He's fucking creepy as fuck.
2: He's always good.
3: I, I like, like he's He's somebody I wish you know, we'd see more often, but he... Yeah. Mm. Everything about this movie is just fucking creepy. It just drips and oozes creepy. And yeah. it's, it's, it's well-written. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that's movie. how you
0: write a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think the scenes... <clears throat> some of my favorite scenes there towards the end in The Metal Institution I think are extremely creepy. 'Cause like there's things you're you're seeing like shadowy images going on just outside of his cell room and you're like, Oh, it's the end of the fucking world, but we're stuck in here with with Sam Neill. and
1: Yeah
0: and you just you have no idea what's on the other side of that door and the way the way they shot that institution stuff freaking. Well yeah, at the
2: the fucking uh, like those strobe shots you know what i'm talking about
4: uh-huh. mm-hmm. like just, cosmic horrors <laughs> galloping toward the gateway to reality kind of thing
2: yeah it's just there were so many things in there i'm like i want to go through and like pause like on every frame
1: mm, yeah. of
2: those quick little shots and catch what was happening because I think there was like the chick from the painting with an accent. Like I don't, I don't know what's oh, happening. There's, there's so still shit. so many things that I don't.
3: And the creepy haven't kids haven't
2: figured out yet. Oh yeah. Oh, you, fuck you know that. what today is?
3: It's mommy's day, and you're my mommy. Fuck oh, off! What the fuck? creepy mouth kid? <laughs> are they implying?
2: Are That's... they implying like? I guess. Oh, I guess they talk about how it it affected the children first, didn't they? Huh. But, like, yeah. what the fuck? Uh, they had, like, creepy, like, child molest- molestation vibes a few times. I'm like, wait, are they saying Sutter Cane's, like, a child rapist? Is that what they're saying? Maybe. No? I got That's the vibe I got <laughs> I was watching it.
0: Well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. A, and John's what like, Get away from me, there. pedophile nerd. So, so many unexplained <laughs> things. I'm so all about doing this remake now with John as the lead and all of his dialogue <laughs> is just gonna be telling people to fuck off. <laughs> fuck off, Sodercade, book writer. With <laughs> the words.
2: Oh and fuck oh, off, sorry. we need Monster. to stop talking about this movie. I was just gonna say I really like the uh, kid on the bike too kid slash old person.
5: Oh, oh yeah.
2: That was Creepy. awesome.
5: And I was like, get the fuck away from me.
2: Just, <laughs> <bike>. Yeah, just <laughs> in a perpetual <laughs> loop. That you look was like awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck off grandma on a bike and then I kick it over. <laughs> 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 it's really a shorter movie, but it's funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just me jumping up and down. Going, yeah, I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: okay, so
0: after moving on. Ma- and, moving on uh, and then in '95, after *In the Mouth Madness*, was *Village of the Damned*. Saw it once. <sighs> don't care to ever rewatch it. It's not that it's, it was horrible. It just was like bland. I watched it. What's that? I rewatched it.
5: Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a lot better than I remembered it. It's
3: still not good. I I
5: like. I was like. I, just, I was way into it. Like, the way that, the way it was developing, you're just like, what the fuck? People just fell down for a day, and you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't like go into this town without passing out or dying. You didn't know. You know, you didn't know what the fuck happened. It was like this is fucking cool. It's like, what Stephen King ass shit just happened here? You know? And, yeah. And then you're like, oh, then they woke back up. You're like, what the fuck? This is cool. Well, what's that mean? And and then the people who died, you know, and then it's just like, then all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, why is a fucking doctor the lead here? Oh, that's why, because now the ladies are starting to come in pregnant that were in the passed out thing. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? And I just spent, like, the first half of the movie like, what the fuck? Is this, <laughs> what, what's happening? It's so cool. I can't wait to see what happens because of that happening, because of that happened, And then, like, they all started having kids, and then they stole one, and then they all started looking, then they grew up, and they were all crazy, and you're like, what the fuck, and why is this town accepting this? And it's, I don't know, it was cool as shit. And then it, the last bit kind of went kind of more sci fi than, I don't know. It was cool enough, but I thought it was better than... I remembered it. Okay. Sorry, John. Don't <laughs> whatever. Don't tell me
0: to fuck off, please.
5: I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> fuck off, and then I kick him.
0: Yes. <laughs> fuck off, guy with transformer tattooed on your arm. That's right.
3: And it's just me jumping up and down, going, "Yay! Fuck you!" Um.
0: <laughs> okay. So, then after village of the damned in '96 uh, was
3: escaped from L.A. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The uh, that doesn't that doesn't compute. Say again, <laughs> what? <laughs> Escape from LA? Nope. I, I,
2: I, Escape I, from I, law? What? I,
3: yeah. I stole I I I don't get what you're saying.
5: Yeah, he ruined that franchise with that movie. Is what
4: that movie I... is supposed to be funny. It's a spoof of the first one, and if you Shut watch it in that, line. if you watch it in that spirit, it's fun. Plus, the clutch song, the clutch song, in the soundtrack. So
5: that's why you like That's why. <laughs> that's no reason. Yeah, but I don't think anyone knew that it was. I don't think anyone watched it that way the first time. That's all. See, I'm...
0: that's always the tough pill to swallow um, when you, um, kind of change the i guess atmosphere of the franchise with the with the follow-up movie same thing you know it kind of happened with gremlins 2 you know that didn't quite work out for joe dante because I mean, he basically was just making fun of the first movie with the second movie and it feels like that's what this one did, does as well but it feels like it's even more of a leap because There was really no funny bone in the first movie, but uh, Gremlins still had like the original Gremlins still had a lot of comedy. But uh, with Gremlins two, its downfall was just breaking the fourth wall all the time. Even though I love Gremlins two. Downfall.
4: Gremlins two is better than the first one by a long margin.
0: I was getting there, sir. I was getting there. Calm down. (laughs) I love me some Gremlins two as well. I meant box office downfall. Ah, okay my favorite scene still is when um in gremlins 2 okay now we're on gremlins 2 Uh god damn it um is when the is when the film breaks down and and hulk hogan yells at the gremlins in the projection booth to turn the movie back on that's like fucking genius and here's a little quick story um back in the day uh one of my really good friends was manager of the movie theater and so he would sneak us in after hours and um we would we would watch movies uh we, we watched the new movies that came out and at like in the middle of the night at like one or two in the morning and it was a blast we had a great time you know and it uh, um, and so we were watching gremlins 2 and that moment happens where it looks like the film breaks and my friend as a joke because he he knew it was supposed to happen he jumps up and his face gets all pale white and just runs out of the theater and we're like <laughs> oh fuck the film broke. He's going to get in so much trouble because we weren't supposed to be there. <clears throat> <laughs> and then, like, all of a sudden, we start seeing these little shadow puppets of gremlins and shit, and we're like, what? And he comes back in laughing his ass off at us because we are all, like, in panic mode. That was like, I gave him major kudos for that prank. That was great. But, like, I, I also remember uh, Joe Dante talking on the commentary track that he wanted each movie theater to have little cow- cardboard cutouts of the, of the gremlins... Um, in the projection booth window for when that moment happened. But the studio <laughs> didn't back that up. And it's like, oh, that's a bummer. That would have been like one of the last great like uh, William Castle moments in cinema history. And there
4: was a different version of that scene for the home video release, and yeah. there, was an, there was a different version of it in the novelization.
0: Oh, no shit! Really? <laughs> well, I know the VHS version difference. You know, they actually have, like uh a john wayne segment and and the looney tunes characters talk and stuff yeah with a uh, but what happened in the novelization i gotta know i,
4: I don't know i haven't tracked down a copy i've oh. just heard that there's a different version of it in the book so
0: because what's great about that i mean i'm assuming this is what they do in the book because with the vhs it's all about like the videotape breaking down you okay. know and like and that's also how it played on like cable and stuff so i'd imagine the book has some kind of like Something happens to the writer or something, I would assume. Yeah. That, uh, that's but awesome.
4: Going back to Escape from L.A., I the first time I saw it, I completely agreed with everyone else who saw it the first time around that that was just stupid. <laughs> and then years later, uh, some of my friends from B-Fest were talking about it, and they kind of said, like, you should give it another chance because it's supposed to be funny, and if you watch it that way, it is funny. And I watched it again, and by God, it works. <laughs> like it is it's just like you said it subverts your expectations so much if you're going in just wanting another installment of Snake Plissken being a badass and not Snake Plissken taking the piss out of himself
0: yeah you know and there's that part of me that just just wants more Snake Plissken being a badass and that and and I'm with the majority on the fact that that's why the movie didn't work for me because what I wanted was another escape from New York. What John Carpenter wanted to do was a comedy, so I so I would appreciate myself going back and watching it again with those. It, but it's always such a hard a hard move to make, right? You know when you. Th- yeah. I had the same issues. It took me a while to get accustomed to the direction um, that the Hatchet movies were going. Because the first one felt so much more of like a true, honest-to-good, honest-to-goodness 80s slasher film, when I didn't realize until part two, and I didn't appreciate until part three that it is a comedic send-up of 80s slasher movies.
4: And see, that's I had the exact opposite situation where you know that movie, the first Hatchet came out, and it was you know everyone was just giving it a blowjob. And I watched it and thought, "Eh, that's just another slasher movie." I thought it was kind of boring. And then I finally gave the second one a chance, like years after it had come out, and I fucking laughed my ass off. Like, oh my god, why wasn't the first one this funny? That's brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and and so it it took me till part three to to accept that and stop putting my own expectations on what I think the franchise should be. So yep. it, it kind of feels that I need to do the same thing with Escape from L.A. It's just hard, though, as soon as you see him I will. surfboarding.
4: And it's <laughs> the
5: surfboard scene for me. That's when I had to turn it off. I yeah, couldn't,
0: I just couldn't do
4: it. It's so hard to get through the surfboarding scene. I will say, though, I would love it if he went back and made another straight-action, sure. badass Snake Plissken movie. But, you know, like, now, because Kurt Russell can still pull that off, totally. Absolutely but I want him to have his epic facial hair from Hateful Eight.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. I watched God that for the yeah. first time this past weekend.
3: I'm awesome. never going to have facial hair that cool. It's so sad. Oh, you're getting there, buddy. No, nobody will ever have facial hair that cool. Get some chia That's seeds, rub that on your chin. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, he just has the best facial hair. When he doesn't have it, I'm like, oh, who are you? His little baby and his face. hair
2: is still, like, wispy. It's got that Farrah Fawcett thing going on. Still. Jealous.
3: <laughs> He's the bee's knees. I, w-
0: <laughs> I will say I loved it at the time and I still love it, probably just because it's Bruce Campbell, but I like the pat- plastic surgery scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Uh-huh. Anything to add else, to- else to add from anybody on Escape from the Law? <laughs> Escape from that. <laughs> okay. Then on to 1998's another movie I wish I would have watched in time for the show because I feel like I have to give it a second chance, and that is Vampires.
4: Oh, I, I love actually, that movie so much.
3: I, I wasn't, I didn't hate it the first time I saw it. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I realized that it, it was Carpenter when I saw it the first time way back in the day. Like I enjoyed it.
4: It's called John Carpenter's Vampire. Yeah. what, what, what <laughs> did that clue you into that?
3: He's not a reader.
5: He's not a reader.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting like that.
1: So.
3: I don't read. No. My my buddy had it on VHS and he's just like, "Hey, here's a movie called Vampires." He oh. didn't really explain much beyond that. So it wasn't until years later that I realized it, it, it wasn't
4: until 10 seconds after he put it in in the title card. Hey, okay, he doesn't really did a lot
3: of drugs back in the day. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I love, those. <laughs>
0: I love you too. <laughs>
3: i <sighs> in about five minutes. Well, two hours and five minutes. Once I drive up there.
4: Yeah, I'll already be asleep. Sorry. Um,.
3: Out I really swoonfield.
4: wanted to watch it again too
5: it just kept getting pushed down my yeah. list yeah. just cause it I didn't I'm not positive I saw the whole thing I thought I liked the hotel scene a lot but it didn't look good to me I don't know
0: the hotel scene cause I honestly don't remember anything about the yeah. movie either except for I remember liking the hotel room scene for some reason I don't remember why
4: because Mark Boone Jr. gets bisected by the head vampire Okay. Punches a hand through him and rips him in half, like the chick with the uh, piece of rebar, and and Jason goes to hell. Oh, nice, nice. That's probably why. Yeah, uh, just and
3: now uh, Mike's got a boner. Well, I had <laughs>
0: this whole time.
3: Yeah, you um, haven't sitting next to Jason.
0: That's right. My own snake pliskin. Um, mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> <That's> oh, <cool. laughs>
0: mine's more of a jackbird. Um, just because it has a mullet, so. Uh, Yeah, and the other thing I I remember from the movie is... I mean, again, I remember no specifics, but I just remember why I did not like the movie is because it felt like when the story built up to a certain point, because of what was happening in the movie, there was really no suspense or tension built because there was only ever going to be one resolution. But I can't remember... Why that? Why I thought that way. So I can't honestly give any honest uh, assessment of the movie, but I, just,
4: I love the dialogue. I love James Woods' performance in it. Mm-hmm. It's fucking hilarious. It and it's actually based on a novel called Vampires, but the S is a dollar sign by a guy named John Stakely, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's so. I don't know why, but okay, you guys—you've all seen the movie Heavy Metal, right? The cartoon. Yeah. The, oh yeah. You know the, the the Hanover Fist segment where the guy's in court and he turns into the like <laughs> Incredible Hulk type yeah. guy. Uh-huh. Like that—that yeah. that was the character I had in my mind for the James Woods role <laughs> when I was reading the novel. When I was reading the novel, because it's just that over the top. Like it's <laughs> wow. almost unbearable. Just pedal to the metal ridiculous the whole time and it, and it's too much and they dialed it back just exactly the right amount in the movie so that it just has this kind of, I don't know and I know it's a, one of his least loved movies it seems like, people tend to shit on that one, but I love it, I think it's tons of fun.
3: I thought it was good
0: Well, I don't think it's g- g- is shit upon as badly as his next movie in 2001 ghosts of mars
3: i actually liked this movie a lot but not because it's carpenter
0: okay so i just want to step back because jason and i have a lot of negative things to say about this movie so i want to i want to hear the opposite side of things so why did you like this movie Uh,
3: so when i finally got around to buying this and watching it it was when i was on my uh bad late 80s 90s sci-fi kick and it scratched that itch. It is not a good movie when it comes down to it, but it has it has what I was looking for at the time. Just bad sci-fi. Oh, um, it's well, there you it's go. bad
5: sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give but you that. But like
3: it was bad but enjoyable enough for me. But yeah, it's definitely not a good Carpenter flick. I mean, I I I think I even had to like kind of disassociate that shit, like just like just protect her. just you know, give it a shot because I mean, I do like it, it's just it's the bad 90s special effects low budget, very low budget special effects. Well, the effects are um, horrible I know, but that's what I was looking for at the time, because I mean I was really, really looking for at late 80s, early 90s to mid 90s or even in this case, late 90s. You know, bad <laughs> sci-fi. Or 2001. <laughs> I forgot when it came out.
4: So you just saw this one not too long ago then? Like, yeah. Maybe I a year, I, year I, ago or so.
3: Yeah, because I think that was about the time looking for my my, my sci-fi, or I was on my yeah. sci-fi kick. So I think that's why I like it. I think if I had seen it back in the day, I would have fucking hated it. Like, so yeah,
4: absolutely. Hated it. I saw it in the theater, and I loved it at the time. I thought it was fantastic. And I lo- like, the ending with uh, Natasha Henstridge and Ice-T getting their guns and going <laughs> back out to fight the aliens. And it was like, wow, oh, that's so cool! The chrome Cause it, guns guns. Th- because that, that ending felt like such a John Carpenter ending to me. I don't know, for some yeah. reason, it just, like, I loved it.
0: Oh, I and, agree with you. It felt like a John Carpenter ending to Big Trouble <laughs> in Little China or even Escape from New York. But, and that's my biggest issue with the movie, is that the movie... It felt like John Carpenter couldn't decide what kind of movie he wanted to make. Do you want to make another They Live where it's you got goofy characters, you got over the top characters, you know, reciting like uh you know, actiony catchphrases and doing over the top things, or are you making a horror film where people are walking around this deserted city with like all these weird contraptions hanging from the ceiling and and creepy overtones, you know, that first half of the movie has some really, some really great John Carpenter creepy moments that kind of hails back to some of his earlier stuff, and then by the end of the movie, it's, it's goofy, dumb action movie again. Like, what the fuck is this supposed to be?
4: When you said it felt like a John Carpenter ending, I thought you were going to say it felt like the end of John Carpenter.
0: (laughs) No. Oh, good one.
4: Good one. But it, it it has faded somewhat in my esteem over the years. I watched it again, uh, not too terribly long, maybe live within the last year, because uh, Isabella wanted to see some other John Carpenter things, and so we sat down and watched. it. Like, this is really good. You, you know, you'll love this one. It's I think it's fantastic. And we sat down and watched it. Like, well, it's been a while. This didn't really <laughs> hold up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, honey, this movie sucks. Don't ever listen to Daddy. <laughs>
0: And could no. somebody wake up Ice T and tell him he need, tell him he's in a movie?
5: It's a pretty subdued
0: performance. He was uh, asleep through most of his performance in that movie. Because he
6: was
3: stoned. Jesus yeah. Christ! But he still had to use his AK.
0: Like he wasn't he wasn't acting. He was just reciting lines off a of page, probably off a of cue card.
3: Well, he's never been a good actor. Except well, that's priority. what I, I
0: turned then. to Jason at one point in the movie, and I'm just like, I don't remember. I know I've seen other Ice T movies, but I don't rem, or Ice Cube movies. Sorry, huge Whoa. difference. Sorry,
3: Ice T um, rules. Ice Cube. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <gasps> um, Suck it. I know I've seen other movies with Ice Cube <laughs> in it, but I honestly no, don't, don't, don't remember, remember if he's any good or not. I turned to Anaconda. Jason. Yeah, but I I still I don't remember Which what he was saying. I like hear the words it. you're saying. <laughs>
3: I'm ignoring them.
0: Yeah, but so I turned to Jason. I'm like, is he always like this? I just I couldn't tell you, or did he just really not want to be there? Because that is the feeling I got out of his performance. Is like, yeah, where do I cash the check? It is I, the, one of the I, worst I, performances we- I've seen in years. And I I understand when you're trying to do, you know, it's not, this isn't the first time John Carpenter's had the, the stoic, brooding, um, you know, monotone action star, but if you're gonna do that character again, at least get somebody who can act to do it. Otherwise, you just get the, you just get just some guy saying words.
5: I also did not like this movie very much, but I I think I liked more things about it than you did. Like uh, the the effects didn't b- I was I could forgive that. I could well, forgive the miniatures. I could some, forgive
0: There was some good gore stuff. Oh, the miniatures I couldn't forgive. Sorry. I didn't Continue. I didn't think they were that bad. Mm. Um They really bothered me.
5: Uh, that, uh the story uh, but for me it was all completely about the dialogue, the writing was, it's like, it was too sci-fi. It was just overwritten. Like, we're just thrown into this world, and they're using terms for things without, you know, that just everything has a new word now, and they're just saying it like we're supposed to know, and we don't know. And Yeah. And just like, I'm just, it was impossible to keep up. And to try to translate it, you know, as you're going along. And I just, I don't know how many times I was, just, they're like, and and so what do you think? And I'm like, I, it depends. You know, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like, <laughs> well, I got to go flim-flam the shim-sham, and then I'll, uh, you know, when I'm done with that, we're like, we go dim the
3: f- dim f- Right,
5: and I'm like, well, okay, you're saying words, but they're, they're not, oh, uh, just... I just couldn't, and it was just so heavy. I think they just thought that that's what made it sci-fi was by changing words into what they might be in the future, and trying to create this new dialogue. And oh my God, I hated it.
0: I hated it. Yeah, I mean, I hated it. We're you know, it's it'd be kind of interesting to kind of like compare it to dialogue and say like star wars universe you know right like, yeah how uh, come it works in that you know what the fuck is force what the fuck is a lightsaber what's you a know parsec? they
3: explain shit <clears throat> in star wars a little bit more
0: well, but that's the thing it's not heavy exposition on things either but this movie was and you still didn't know what the fuck they were talking about half the time
5: no and just this is how the law works you know and they would just you know Or this is... We're on this new world. I mean, I I see, like, super nerds, you know, just eating it up, maybe, you know, that are just wanting a new universe with new language, you know, a futuristic... I don't know,
0: maybe... Did it it all have to come down to maybe the acting in general? No, it was 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 the language. I fucking... Because it just felt like none of them believed in what they were saying. Well... Um, and I think that's maybe that part of the difference too. I don't know.
4: First of all, what's with all the hating on nerds tonight? Goddamn.
5: <laughs> well, it's not, because all, you're on here. It was overwritten. I'm
4: I mean, sorry. I love you, Brian. Second you're of ahead. all, speaking as one, <laughs> I can't stand that shit. And I don't just mean in Ghosts of Mars. I mean, almost any time when somebody feels like they have to make up an entirely new set. Of slang words yeah. to make it seem like the future or another world. Yeah, it always uh-huh. seems so forced and arbitrary that it annoys yeah. the shit out of me. If you, yes, you're going to have different kinds of machinery and it's going to have different names and that kind of stuff. But when you start fucking with the core of the language completely, gratuitously <laughs> just to make it sound like the future, to me that comes off as being fucking lazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right, and uh, another another movie uh, that I that springs to mind instantly when I think of like the dialogue in Ghost to Mars um, that also that also was a major offender in this, but it works, and that's Demolition Man. Oh Demolish- yeah, Demolition Man has a lot of that, but it works because you have Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes there as catalysts for us. Saying, what are you guys talking about? You guys are talking jibber-jabber. And it's just
6: so
3: goofy. The three
0: seashells. Why are you saying murder, death, kill when it's apparently a a murder? Why why is it now three words instead of just saying it's a murder? You know, shit like that. So, it worked in Demolition Man because you had the counterbalance of Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes being the fish-out-of-water characters. But it goes to Mars, and it's just so... Overwritten. Yeah, seriously,
5: watch just watch the first twenty, thirty minutes and just count how many new how they changed everything and it, it's so bad. Sorry,
0: sorry, J C. And then and then the other thing is, I, does anybody know any back background about this movie? I want to know like why Pam Greer disappeared so quickly in this movie. I get it, she's killed, but like. Her kill is like completely off camera. As if like... It almost feels like she walked off this movie or something. And they had to quickly write her out.
3: I I don't know.
5: <laughs> I
3: got nothing for you.
5: Too much time on
3: Ghost of Mars.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we're getting close to the oh, yeah. end here. Yeah, way too much time on
3: Ghost of Mars, sir. <laughs>
0: We're getting close to the end here anyway, guys. Uh, and then, like, in 2005-2006, the Masters of Horror series came out, and he did two episodes. He did Cigarette Burns, which I love.
3: Oh, God, that's a yes. fucking... Yes. That's just a goddamn masterpiece. Look, I know he to forgot to watch it, that. But Jesus Christ, that's good.
0: So good, right?
4: That is one of my favorite things he's ever done. Yeah.
3: I exactly. mean, if I understand,
4: like, if, if you take away budget considerations and the fact that it looks like a tv episode and just look at it from the the standpoint of the story and how everything plays out in it i i mean i, I maybe wouldn't put it up there with the thing but i say it's as good as anything he's done other than the thing
0: i i can i, I love can, it because i, I connect agree so
4: much with oh sorry but, no i'm
0: just saying i agree with you yeah
4: I connect so much with the story because it's about this guy who runs a theater, which I've always wanted to do. And he's also a film collector for both himself and for, uh, you know, private collections will uh, hire him to go find these rare films for them. And he gets an order to go find a movie called the fin absolu du monde. And which is the absolute end of the world. Uh, for those of you who don't speak, I don't know, Lithuanian or whatever language that is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, that's not what's going. On. Anyway. Um, so anyway, he goes and finds it. And the closer he gets, the more it drives him to start seeing these weird visions and stuff. And it becomes his obsession. And, you know, there's all these stories about anyone who's ever seen the movie has either gone insane or died or both. Uh, maybe not in that order. And, uh, you know, the it's not exactly a cursed film I guess but it's, it's a film with some supernatural power to it and it, it sparked this really interesting discussion between a friend of myself one night when we were driving back on a road trip about how far would we go to see that next shocking thing like you know we've all watched Cannibal Holocaust mm. we've all watched Serbian film that you know that kind of thing and you know, that's like the next step is to, you know, if you're in some scummy little bodega and some guy says, Hey, I got something in the you know, then they know you're looking for that type of movie. I got something in the back you might want to see, and you're kinda of thinking maybe it's a snuff film, would you go back there? Would you take it? Guess that what?
3: Next you step? are the snuff film.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But uh holy shit. Like oh sorry. The, there's like a horrible storm going on outside and it just kicked up to the point where my door is shaking from the wind. Right. Nice. And like you might it just survived. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> so yeah, if you hear a horrible crash and then my mic goes dead, I got sucked away in a tornado.
3: I'll just um, I'll I'll let everybody know that I thought you were a kind of a right guy.
4: Okay, thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> kind of. <kinda. laughs> That's what I'll say at your funeral. Eh he was okay.
4: But you yeah anyway I, I, <laughs> I just I love the whole idea behind cigarette burns and it just it's something that draws me in every time and it's still i find it kind of chilling and i find it kind of personal you know because i yeah totally get that drive to want to see that next thing because you know he has the movie in his possession at one point and he's like should i watch this or should i just give it to the guy and you know be done with it and then uh yeah things go poorly there's a great bit in the special features, of the of some behind the scenes stuff of the of the bit where uh, Udo Kier, who plays the collector that has hired uh, Kirby, I forget his last name, but the Norman Reedus character to find this movie for him, he's he comes to his house and and Udo Kier is watching the movie and he's disemboweled himself and is feeding his own intestines oh, into the film. Yeah,
3: it's so oddly beautiful.
4: I don't know. But in the behind-the-scenes stuff, you just see them shooting that, and Kier just hamming it up, and Carpenter's laughing so fucking hard he almost falls off his director's <laughs> <team>. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, That's awesome.
0: Yes, I couldn't agree with you more on everything that you said, Brian. I don't even know if I could even really add too much to it, what you said because you hit the nail on the head on everything. And I'm yeah. so, I'm so glad that he got to make this one after after some not so you know great movies towards the end of his career there um or latter half of his career there i should say uh it's good to know that he still has it you know the car the carpenter that we all know and love but also it really feels like this is this this feels like a personal project for him and i feel really glad to know that he got to make this and it's one of the great things that came out of this whole Masters of Masters of Horror um, series is you know not only the film itself being just awesome and great and and genius, but the fact that it gave an opportunity for John Carpenter to tell this story. So yeah, it's it's great. If it, it almost feels like it kind of has a little bit of a mouth of madness feel to it, but it also feels like it's a bit more. Um, uh, of a personal story for John as well, so yeah, it's great. Love it. Yeah, so it was a personal story for me. <laughs> Carpenter. <I don't> know.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that's true.
0: <laughs> uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add, the other John?
3: No, I mean. Let's start with the pretty, other John. The other John. Brian pretty much touched on everything. I mean, this. I saw this at a time in my life. I mean, I had already been. Fully involved in horror movies, but I was also becoming bored. You know what I mean? Like I, I needed to find that next movie that would fuck with me. And really, since this, and since I was challenged by somebody many many moons ago, I've I've been looking for that move that that kind of movie that he's looking for, that fucked up movie or whatever. I mean, it's a little different in real life. I mean, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I really identify with the character, with the Norman Reedus character, and just really Udo Udo's character as well. And that's how I discovered Serbian Film and Begotten and countless others, just trying to find something that would actually make me uncomfortable, which still hasn't happened, so... Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. It it's kind of frustrating like I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, this made me uncomfortable because I have kids or this made me uncomfortable because of that." And I'm like, still waiting. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> I guess I'm just that fucking jaded that I can watch, you know, anything. <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm trying to find that movie.
0: I yeah, I know how you feel. I know how I feel. Of course, uh, of course I I found some that actually affect me probably. <laughs> That definitely that, have affected me, and I, man, yeah. I'll tell you what—nothing. Okay, I—I I don't want to build it up for you, you know. Just, but it's it it's kind of it's kind of shocking and life changing when you do find that moment, man. I hope I do. I've Mark, come close. Uh, I, the the top two for me will always be Martyrs and uh, Requiem for a Dream, where it's to the and, point where if I hear the music from either of those movies, it sends sends chills down my spine.
3: And I just I, I I mean I I when I saw Martyrs, I was like, what the fuck did I just see? So I watched it again that same day. But it's like I don't know. I guess I guess I'm that fucking jaded. I mean Christ, I've I've watched. Uh, irreversible like three or four times i think i've seen serbian film three or four times just yeah uh, i'm still trying i'm still trying to find that movie and i don't think it exists yet but it's out there (laughs) it's gotta be right it's gotta it's gotta be (laughs) gotta exist it's just i don't think it's been made yet
0: so have you seen pro-life his other masters of horror because i can't remember if i've seen that one or not yeah i don't remember anything about it I don't either. Okay. I
3: don't. I don't think it was that bad. It's. I mean, after seeing cigarette burns, it's like, fuck it. This show's done. Like this is the best one. Yeah. Like wave and cry. It really. I mean, it was hands down the best episode. There are some good episodes too. Well,
0: I still also really really like Jennifer Dario Gento's movie. I feel like that's the last best thing he's ever done.
3: That one was good, and then um, the one with the dueling uh killers. You know. I'm trying to think who did that one. Was that first season or second season? I felt like first I it was season. It might have been first season. I I know it. God damn it! I can I can picture. Ah oh, fuck! I can't think which season it was, but there was the, it was like the hitchhiker and then the, uh, the truck driver.
0: Hmm. I, I honestly don't remember that one.
3: I think the thing. I think it's just called "Pick Me Up." But I can't remember who was involved. Oh, with it right I now. think
0: that's second season.
3: And that one was really good too. No, I, I really I've enjoyed that. that one. One. I really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed Homecoming, the one where the uh, yeah. soldiers come back from the dead and vote. Yep. Yeah. Because that was very uh, topical at the time and still would be. Yeah. But That was a good one. I mean, there were a lot of good episodes, but
0: I felt like I, season one was stronger than season two, though.
3: Oh yeah. But cigarette burns, I think it was just was my favorite, and then the, uh, God damn it, what's his name? The one that never even aired on television. Oh, Takashi Miike's? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna yes. ask
0: you if you've seen that one. Um, oh, of
3: course, of course. I'm blanking on the name
0: it. of it, too. Yeah, I had to own that one.
3: I, a... I own it, and uh, I remember it, and I'm trying to forget it, because the scenes with the putting the bamboo shoots under the fingernails. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that that's actually, I mean, when it comes down to it, that's one of the more fucked up mo- movies or anything I've seen, just bamboo shoots under the fucking fingernails.
6: <sighs> imprint.
3: Imprint, thank you. Yes. But that's, that's a good one. And yeah, they they couldn't air it because it was that fucked up. Those are my top
0: three. It's Cigarette burn, and not in any order, but Cigarette Burns, um, Jennifer, and Imprint. And especially after seeing Jennifer... And then mm-hmm. finding out Takashi and and especially after seeing a lot of Takashi Miike movies, and finding out Takashi Miike's movie was too much for even Showtime to air, I'm yeah. like, oh, I gotta
3: fucking have this. I don't even right. care. I need this now. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's a shot in Jennifer where she's, she's sitting there chewing on chewing on some guy's severed penis. So, yeah. like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, how much worse can
3: imprint be? But, uh, oh,
0: yeah, okay, I get oh, okay, it now. it's
3: okay. yes, there. Oh, the just mean fingernails, dude! Oh, oh yeah, <sighs> hit you all the way.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so we're getting to the end here. Last one. Um, in two thousand and ten, the last movie he made, The nope. Ward.
3: Yeah. No, it once again does not compute. It wasn't that
0: bad.
5: No, it, it
2: was. was
0: I, so am, so I, it. I haven't seen it. So you guys
2: go. It was. I mean, it's been. I watched it when it first came out, and I, I like Amber Heard most of the time. Yeah. Um. Herdy. It was so It was kind of middle of the road, but it wasn't awful. It was just kind of meh for me. It was a whole
3: lot of meh. Oh.
2: Uh, I
3: watched.
5: I watched it this weekend and. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. But I've spent all day trying to remember how it ends, and I can't fucking tell you.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you just touched it. <laughs> like, I don't, That's how good it was. I
5: just I remember the first half, but then fuck if I can... I, can, I just can't. Yeah. I haven't been able to retrieve it from my brain.
2: There's a really good um, female cast in this so yes. for sure...
3: I will give it that.
2: But, yeah, I can't, it's been a few years since I've seen it, and I remember there's like a house on fire, and then they're in a psych ward, and that's about what I remember.
5: That's the, that's all of it, Terry.
2: <laughs> oh, okay.
5: <laughs> or the first five minutes. Did you watch more, did you fall asleep, Terry? Because that <laughs> sounds more like no, what you do. No, I
2: watched the whole thing. There's some Prove sort it. of big... Like thing with the thing
5: and the thing, Uh, yeah.
2: Oh, that part's awesome. There's a twist. No. No. I don't know. I can't remember the end. (laughs) I can't. Did you fall
0: asleep? If you don't Uh, remember the end, that's what it feels like. Uh huh. I bet you did. No, I didn't.
5: But man, that's alright. I I can't. I can't recall it it's gone
1: maybe i watched
0: too many john carpenter films this weekend yeah that's probably it (laughs) that's what it all boils down to all right so that wraps it up we're finally through his entire filmography holy shit 30 something films i left imdb i should have stayed just a little bit longer anyway so so since we're running long and we were still got some segments um we're gonna um or segment um we're not going to do any Insane's Picks this episode or Wicked Women this episode, but uh we still love our, all mine, of our listeners
3: cuz I never do one.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah no alter or stalter. Alter um, stalter!
3: <laughs> cuz I haven't done one in like 6 months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh because we still love all of our listeners, we will still do the shout out. So when we return,
5: oh, I wanted to ask something quick. Oh, I know um, we're
0: running long, but but like and then it's too it's a pretty deep
5: question and I should have asked it earlier but so deep What Okay Mike filmmaker Mike okay but John astute learned man of moving pictures What what is pictures. it What is John Carpenter's style
3: Oh fuck! Honestly, what?
0: Yeah, you do wait till like, well, I... three hours into the episode. I mean, just because me, I've, I've, dude,
3: I've been wondering kind of it for hours. I mean, honestly, one of the major <laughs> things for him, at least in my opinion, is his use of music. Uh, but you can also say that about Dario Argento yep. and a lot of other people. It for me, just in general, because I, I love music. Music always play, plays a huge part of a style, and that's, for me, what makes Carpenter so great, his use of music.
2: I always appreciate his use of comedy. There's are some where he's, like, it's an all-out comedy, like Big Trouble in Little China, and then even in his most horrifying movies, there's always comedy bits thrown in to add a little levity, and I always appreciate that, so.
0: Uh, a lot of it for me is, um, I'm going back to IMDb, what do you want? <laughs> I
5: want your answer, not IMDb's know, answer. I'm not
0: looking at IMDb I wanted for answers. One dot,
5: Give me one dot point, and then I'll ask another question.
0: Uh, his use of isolation?
5: Okay. Yeah, I was, that's I was going to really yes. pick on John and Terry, for saying things that can apply to every director, yeah, there's music oh, in every shush. movie, so and my... there's comedy in yeah, every horror film. Yeah, but he
2: film. doesn't. Not every director fucking makes his own scores, and not every director has the awesome scores that. Well, I,
5: John I, every knows. movie has music. Every movie oh has comedy. I'm just. Okay, what am just are try- you gonna
2: say? No, I don't know.
5: Say? That's what I've been trying to. Fight, bro. I've been thinking fight, about it for fight. the. Bring it. For this last week I've been trying to nail that down for me for my answer because I didn't know yeah,
4: your answer
3: is for I like pretty stuff.
5: M- my whole Dang life it. my whole life is like John Carpenter is a fucking genius. Okay, but
2: he's, why? He's so eclectic in his styles that it's hard to nail anything down he has with this.
3: So, the best use cool. of tension ever in a, in in movies. He's got the fucking killer fucking tension in Halloween and then the tension between uh, uh, Kurt Russell and the other guy. <laughs> right, and, <laughs> the thing, like his use of tension. <laughs>
5: uh huh. Okay, I think way. you're getting somewhere. That but right.
3: Right. I just tap my head, and that kind of sounds. But sounds what? mildly racist? You know but him what? and that other guy, that's black. So you know, I mean, no, I know where... his use of tension is better than anybody okay. else's. Okay.
0: I know where your question is coming from because I. I feel like I definitely uh, had uh, foot and mouth disease uh, for the fact that I brought up I think during memoirs of Invisible Man discussion, where I literally said it didn't feel like a John Carpenter. I
5: almost popped it then. I'm like,
0: ah, this is the worst movie to talk about it in. But Uh, but he uh, a a lot of his I think to sum it up in one word is the isolation, and I can break that down and it's like by by and large he has so is that writing style or the movies he chooses to direct i think it's movies he chooses to direct and the way he directs them because you can have a slasher movie where you know it's a group of a group of kids all hanging out together getting picked off one by one but when he does a slasher movie it's one girl alone and isolated from 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 others but it goes beyond just right, isolating your characters uh-huh. you know the thing is probably the primo example the the uh, cream of the crop as far as when you say the word isolation but it also has to do with like characters that are isolated you know he his characters a, a lot of times his main protagonists are anti-heroes uh ones outside the norm you know, like, what the fuck is Roddy Piper in um, right, They please. Live, but uh, a, a fucking derelict? He's a bum. The high school quarterback's never he's, the star of the movie. Yeah, he's so. homeless. Yeah. You know? homeless. are homeless, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he, we are following a homeless man through an hour and a half film. You don't get that in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You don't get that in a Sylvester Stallone movie. Should. Maybe we should. Well, I mean, maybe we should, but, you know, we're still... Well,
3: starting. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> look at snake Pliskin. he That's is a, Plissken. he is a criminal he is a criminal wanted by our government and he is the character that we follow through the whole movie jack burton jack burton doesn't fit in that movie at all and what he it, you know and we're following him around through an adventure that he has honestly nothing to do with only to walk away at the end and continue being his loner self exactly mm-hmm. so i think that's it that's it for me and when i kind of see when i kind of see the isolation whether it be part of the story or whether it be how i would describe the character look at christine we just talked to you know we just watched that movie and gushed all over it you know uh I always call him by his last name because it's... I bet I can never remember the character's first name, but the Cunningham character. Talk about a character outside of the... You know, everybody shits on him in that entire movie, you know, until he, you know, starts getting revenge through the car. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can... I guess I can really sum it up. I mean, as far as the visual style... Yeah, that's a sub question for sure. Yeah, he he I think I there's something about his use of space that I can't really put my finger on, but I can pick it out as a junk carpenter movie.
5: The thing I as being a visual guy for film, my my answer was going to be I saw and and cramming a shit ton of them in all at once. Oh, I bet. Seeing them all together, I thought there was a slow, steady, deliberate delivery as his style like plenty of these could be action movies but it's not but it's not about the fast cutting it's it's about that slow steady deliberate deliberate delivery of the story oh yeah yeah you know like every movie is paced smooth and steady you know and 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 even more technical there's a lot of um side to side dolly, slow dolly stuff. You know, like to me like that just sums up a little bit of it. It's just like we're just we're just coming over here now. You know, like yeah. we're just and like the whole movie it like never gets rushed. It's all you know, so pacing comes off slow a lot of times, but I kind of really liked
0: that about a lot of his films. Can you say that because that's always been one of the weird things for me about big trouble is it felt it that movie always feels like it's too fast paced it could but I think that's intentional because again it's not Jack Burton's story we just happen to follow him as he's involved in somebody else's story because that movie just goes from A to Z instantly it's <laughs> like okay here's our characters and then bam everything is like fucking crazy
5: yeah oh I mean yeah. None of our answers apply to all the films, but because everyone should get the chance to explore and try new things.
1: Oh yeah, but yeah.
5: I don't think any of them are like fucking action films, you know. Edited at
0: like action films, like MTV style. Right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I, it, I, it's just, I can't really put it in the words but like there there is something visual that is recognizable about his films but i honestly can't put my finger on it i just think it's his use of space um a lot of times his shots can be kind of epic or not epic but just like just like a full scope of you know again because again you know if we're talking about building isolation of seeing people seeing an individual in a nice big open environment and so. then
5: couple that with his and Howard's synth over top of that,
0: and I think it, the music kind of plays into also my because it's it not like a you're getting full s es- um a, a um a full band, mm-hmm. a full orchestra. You know, it's usually just solo synth, rhythmic <coughs> at most.
5: Yeah, yeah. Hey, just wondered just wondered what you guys (laughs) thought. Jeez, you don't have to get all upset. We're just
0: tired. Yep, you're right. Great question. Uh, uh, I don't know if it would have been better to talk about it at the beginning (laughs) or the end, because now that I had a chance to go through every movie and kind of get it Uh, all together, maybe I...
5: And for you listeners, be sure to let us know what you think there in the shout-outs for this episode. You know, I'm just, just curious what everyone... I mean, yes, he's a great director. I'm just curious why you think why. That's all.
0: What makes a John Carpenter movie a John Carpenter movie? Gotcha. Yep. All right. All right, now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, it'll be time for some
4: shout-outs. Woo! Good evening. It's intermission time. Our service is friendly and quick. You'll find hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, your favorite candies hot and cold beverages, and other delicious snacks. So add to your fun of watching the movie. Visit our refreshment stand right now. We're glad to have you with us tonight. We hope you'll come to see us often. It's great to get out to the movies.
6: Hey, horror fans, this is Mike, one of your troop leaders over at the Horror Scouts Podcast. I, with my co-hosts Brian and Nick, want to invite you to check out our show. We post new episodes twice a month that include movie reviews and general discussions about horror. So whether we're handing out merit badges for things like writing, directing, and gore or just talking around the campfire, we'd love for you to join us. Head over to horrorscouts.com for more info and subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Horror Scouts Podcast. You can also find us along with all the other awesome shows on the Phantom Podcast Network at downrightcreepy.com. And if you prefer social interaction over spending time with the bodies hidden in your shed,
1: <laughs>
6: reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter with at horror underscore really? So, grab your headphones and wrap a bloody bandana around your neck. It's time to sign up and be a horror scout. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three
2: hosts, Mike, it's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again.
6: Not racist at all.
3: Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic
4: cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming.
2: And listener favorite Iris. I not have sex with that horse. <laughs> <laughs>
6: will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at BadassesBoobsAndBodyCounts.com. Hey everybody, this is Wayne, this is Zip, Lori, Brian, Doug, and we're the Necronomacast, a weekly horror podcast brought to you by us, horror fans for you, horror fans. We talk about movies, books, celebrity interviews, your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> Necronomicast. Uh, we also talk about streaming movies, new movies, as well as news in horror. And that's just a sample of what you'll get on the (laughs) Necronomicast. Did we say horror movies? (laughs) Visit us at necronomicast.com. Also, visit us on Facebook and on iTunes and all that. Uh, (laughs) uh, that Necronomicast. We'll scare the shit out of you. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Visit us at necronomicast.com for more madness and horror and blood. We're good. You? <laughs> and we're back and it's time for shout outs Woo!
5: <laughs> that was not looped <laughs> he's loopy but it wasn't
6: looped
0: that's definitely loopy it's time for shout outs
5: All right, so we just based asked the question: What's your favorite John Carpenter film? I made sure not to pluralize it, just <laughs> to see who would follow the rules. The rules, and some people had a anyway. You'll you'll hear. Okay, it's
0: tough.
5: It is up first. We have our brother in Nightmare Junkhead.
0: Woo, Nightmare Junkhead! Yeah, they're hey on the Phantom
5: Podcast Network. Yeah, they're awesome dudes. They said this one can change from day to day, but not only. Or, er, but today I will say assault on precinct 13, the atmosphere, the score, and the vanilla twist. I want ice cream now. <laughs> Up next, we got Mark Morris. He says, "Gotta go with the obvious, I guess." The Thing, followed closely by Halloween. <laughs> Derek Wyrether says, "The Thing for sure." Derek John says, Halloween, 78, followed closely by Christine, and then I will go with Escape from New York, The Thing. John is my favorite director by a long shot, so I really love most of his movies. Thanks, Derek. Um, Up next, we got Dave Bowen. He says, not my favorite, but I feel Prince of Darkness gets overlooked a lot in the company of his more popular catalog. I think... Everyone convinced me that I should follow up and watch that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we got Steve Vessel says Prince of Darkness. Emily Krauss says The Thing. Willis Wheeler says Big Trouble in Little China and The Thing. <clears throat> Jack Christensen says Definitely The Thing. Every time I watch it, I see something I didn't see before because so much of the movie is conveyed without dialogue. And whatever happened after McCready and the other guy went to check on his cabin because McCready had turned the lights off when he left? The fact that we never find out is way more unsettling than anything he could have showed us. It's a good question. Now I won't sleep tonight.
1: Mm -hmm.
5: Nick Leadham says, I'm not sure what my favorite is, but it probably stars Kurt Russell. (laughs) Good answer. Dale Robinson says, They live. It's pretty difficult to choose just one. Dave Zed chose, and he said Halloween for sure. Bobby Nash says The Thing. Tim Lennerer says today's answer is Starman, (laughs) because Jeff Bridges is awesome, and Charles Martin Smith was the go-to kind-hearted dweeb of the 80s cinema. Jeff Brown says this one hardly gets the praise it deserves in the mouth of madness. So good. Damn straight. Jamie Miskell says, The Thing. Uh, Zeus Olhauser says, Choose your favorite child? <laughs> Can't do it. Mike Murphy. Mike, Woo-hoo! Badass Booze Body Count. I don't know if you guys know this, but Insane Mike Saunders is on the latest episode of Badass Booze and Body Count. You should check it out. They talk about what movie?
0: Samurai Cop.
5: Samurai Cop, right? You think... You know what that movie's about, but wait till you hear them talk about it. <laughs> anyway, probably the only one to answer with this one, but Mike Murphy says Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Oh, wow. Oh, Now you wish you could talk to him and say, What the hell I are you do. About? I want
0: to find out.
5: Um, up next, so check out Badass Booze and Body Count. Maybe he talks about it on their show. It's a cool <laughs> show. It's
0: a great show,
5: yes. Michael Walker says, The Thing. Joshua McMillan says, Halloween, The Thing, and then Christine. Sean D. Wallace says, in all honesty, I think I have to go with Escape from L.A. I put the question mark there. He didn't.
1: (laughs) Escape from L.A.
5: I know it's basically a rehash, but I find it a lot of fun to be a lot of fun. Sean, you're a better man than me. Adam S.B. says, The Thing, undoubtedly. Jack Christensen's back. He says, I think In the Mouth of Madness also deserves a shout-out. It's got his problems, but it has some of the scariest visuals of his career. Probably his last great film to date. Whoa. Bold, but probably true. Um, Mike Franklin says, Big Trouble in Little China is the only correct answer here. Fuck
1: yeah. <laughs> Thanks
5: for chiming in, Mike. And then uh, lastly on Facebook... Jacob McLaughlin says, my top five are...
0: Your <laughs> ja- favorite John Carpenter movie.
5: Hey, Jacob's a Patreon supporter, so he can do whatever he wants. That's right.
1: Thanks,
5: <laughs> thanks, Jacob. He says, my top five are The Thing, one of the most perfect films ever made. You know, it's hard to say that P word, but
0: well, we've gosh had that, dang. You and I have had that discussion before where we're like, can it's... we find a flaw in this I'm movie? I'm not sure. Or something we don't like, anyway.
5: Second, They Live, one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Escape from New York, a great 80s action movie that is light on the action, and that just makes it even better. Big Trouble in Little China. Saw it for the first time on the big screen a couple of years ago, and it became an instant favorite. I bet that would be fun to see
1: Fuck yeah. in a
5: theater. With a bunch of rowdy-ass fuckers like you guys. <laughs> anyway, that would <I'd> make <laughs> it perfect. Maybe we can talk a Tad into doing something over at the. Ooh, anyway, yeah. Uh, that was it says assault, and then lastly assault on Precinct 13. Just watched it for the first time last week, and it was a more tense film experience than almost anything I've seen in the theater for the past five years. And you thought he was done with five? He says honorable mention. <laughs> Cigarette burns. Right up there with his best work. Thanks for showing it to me, Brian. Aww. Aww. They love each other. And Brian
0: would say you're welcome if you didn't yes.
5: have to take off. So. Yeah, he had a big storm up his way, and we just straight la- He might be in a tornado right now. We do I think know. he's in the, the fog. The fog, that's what it is. <laughs> nice tie-in. You're welcome. And that's shout-outs on Facebook. Woo. But guess what? Got some over on the Twitter. How about Terry help me out with
4: that?
2: Okay, got some replies <laughs> on here. Um, Don Anelli at underscore or uh, at Don underscore Anelli says, "Ignoring the big ones, I'll throw some love to ITMOM in the mouth of madness oh. and Joseph Mars. <laughs> madness equals best Lovecraft story ever written. Mars is fun action." You have to remember that we're limited to characters on here, so yep. he got it in there. Cool, cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have <clears throat> Matt Pike Peak at Quad City Hawkeye. <laughs> Halloween gets the obvious nod, but they live gave sunglasses a new purpose.
1: <clears throat> <clears throat>
2: Up next, we got Sean Hutchins at Fat Punk sixty eight, going off pissed it's p-i-s-t i'm not sure what that means uh i do really enjoy the fog good old-fashioned ghost story prince of darkness takes you on a journey too and then he also comes in and says p.s quite like that one set in the mental asylum i can't think of its name i'm assuming he meant the ward i replied to ask but he didn't get back to me in time so <clears throat> Up next we have Bradley Taylor <coughs> Excuse me at Taylor Brad76. I have to go with Halloween78, followed by The Fog and Christine. And last but not least, we have Mogwai Fee at Matt Ready Set. Halloween. The film is in the National Film Registry for a reason. The Fog and Escape from New York are a close second and third. And that's it on Twitter.
5: Nice. And that's and don't forget... Oh, I should have been looking up that goddamn number while you are talking. I'm retarded.
2: 41595-AOTKP.
5: <laughs> that's right. That's the one. You can always <laughs> call us there and leave your comment and be on
0: the show. And that's shout-outs. Wow, thanks, everybody. That was amazing. Tons of shout-outs. So that winds up another outstanding episode of attack of the killer podcast i want to thank everybody for listening i want to thank everybody for commenting special thanks to the phantom podcast network for allowing us to join their family and also thank you to our patreon donators uh remember you too can donate to patreon uh go to patreon.com backslash aotkp i also want to take a moment and do um well, Jason already brought it up, but I'm going to do my own shameless plug here for Badass Boobs and Body Counts Podcast. Hell yeah. Check out the Samurai Cop episode, because yours truly is on it, and and I have to say, it's probably their best episode they've ever I done. I think it is, yeah, it's probably their best one. So be sure, <laughs> so be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, uh, and I want to take us out on a quote from John Carpenter on the set of The Thing, when he said, That's a wrap. <laughs> he said that on all his movies, Mike. I assume that's what he said anyway. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what directors say when the filming's yeah, done, right? I think okay. So. All Maybe right.
2: he doesn't. Maybe know. you're you're misquoting him. Shit.
0: <laughs> um Thanks for being in my movie. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, good night everybody. Bye-bye.
6: Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs>